lift and put a check one, check one, check one, check one. Okay, talk again. H- how's that? That's how's beautiful. This? Yeah, now, now, now you sound like the beautiful man you should because this is. I apologize. Big Will from. <laughs> This is Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck, Heavy Hole Podcast, here with my co-host, Rick B. Rick, how you doing, bud? Hey, how's it going, man? We'll try this again. You know, a little technical difficulties here. Yeah, doing all right, man. Yeah, Good seeing you. Got a little bit of that salt water in the old podcast because I got I missed the ferry. I'm stuck on Staten Island two weeks in a row. Rick's <laughs> been holding me down. <laughs> and that's be we'll, we'll get into why. But, Rick, first of all, uh, how was your weekend? I didn't see you when you dropped me off down there at the Port Authority. Yeah, I was just at Port Authority about a few hours ago. My head is still spinning. Uh, my weekend was good. I saw you at the uh, Curry Donuts over there in Pennsylvania, in my neck of the woods. Yeah. Uh, it was a little show there, a little outdoor, exsanguinated, and Sam uh, played about seven times that night. Coincidentally, and, uh, uh, neither of us knew it was a show. We were just going for the donuts. I said, let me Yeah, play. exactly. We said, oh, there's a spot over here that we could set up shop. Yeah. But that was, a, that was a cool spot, man. So that was a great little gig. And uh, then I just uh, maxed and relaxed for a couple of days after that. Yeah, you got to recover from the donuts and the grindcore and the death exactly. metal and all that. No, shout, yeah, shout to Curry Donuts down there and uh, Tom for, for booking the show and uh, the Virgos. Uh, and yes, uh, and, and all the bands that Sam plays drums for that I'm friends with, we, we rolled out, it was the, 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 we've been telling you about it on the podcast for weeks now. It's the death metal invasion. We went down to Pennsylvania and DC, uh, big shout to Carney, New Jersey. Um, I, the wheels fell off at the last minute and, uh, the, the show got canceled out there and we ended up playing a local, uh, Long Island bar here. So shout to Shakers pub and, um, CDC and everybody will get out to Carney, New Jersey eventually. Um, uh, but yeah, it was a beautiful experience there at the curry. The, the curry donut. I, I, we got to get one of them donut yeah. shops up here. I don't know if Dunkin' Donuts will let us go nuts like that out in Staten Island. That curry donuts looked like it was. If you walked in that building in 1982, it looks the exact same as it does right now. You those, know what I mean? Picture, picture that. Those it's two orange guys. Lo- yeah, those guys have been there since 1982 in those yeah. same stools that are like yeah. a foot off the yeah. ground. You know the guys, the two old guys with the beards <laughs> where they they grew those beards sitting there. Yeah. They didn't know there was a show. They just uh, they, stumbled yeah. upon it. I, I, I respected those guys. I went in there to use the bathroom. I was like, I was good oh, evening, yeah. fellas. How you doing, guys? You know, Yeah, man. It was great donuts. Like, it was like 30 cents donut or something. Yeah. I was like, what's going on? I was like, let me get three, three donuts and, uh, and a water. And it was like $4. Yeah, bring one you home know? for the raccoons. You know what I mean? That's right. Give them all that sugar. <laughs> Get them they love it. up. They love it. Yeah, man. And Washington D.C. was beautiful. Um, uh, shout to the Runaway and all the staff and everybody over there. And um, Path to War, a band that may come up later on uh, uh, in the in the in this episode, played their record. Not only their Rick get this, not only their record release show, right, mm-hmm. but their last show. Oh shit! It's kind of it's like kind of how you do it. I think I don't know. Whoa. I'm a little that's bummed, like hello. But- that's like saying hello and goodbye. All yeah, I, I say hello. You say goodbye. <laughs> yeah, a, a little. Yeah, a, a little um, uh, bittersweet in a way. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. But, Interesting. Yeah. 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 Man. What's so, the story behind that? Uh, finished or uh... they're exploring. They're they're young guys. They're they're mm-hmm. going this way mm-hmm. and that, and they got different projects and doing different I things. See. They're beautiful I people. See. Right. Yeah. But um. But yeah, we'll we'll get into that a little bit later. Um. We got some other band. They, they all uh. They ended the show 
on stage, the four of them, uh, group hug. You know what I mean, man? It was it was a beautiful thing to see a band break up like oh. that. Not every band does break up like that, Rick. As you, if you if you know what I'm saying. But uh, enough about yeah, that. Yeah, I've only you know I've, I've been in a couple bands. They don't seem to ever break up. But uh, maybe one. Uh there's one that's a little, you know, a little questionable right now. Yeah, well, sometimes a member gets kicked off the truck along the way. I know plenty about that. But um, speaking about getting kicked off the truck, uh, we we did get a uh, a few a box of donuts that fell off the truck um, at oh. the end of the night, allegedly. Man, yeah, that just capped everything off there at the Curry, curry Donuts, Washington D.C. I, I visiting our nation's capital. We were kind of like on the outskirts of the city there. Um, a shout, big shout to Mark from Stabbed. Uh, and exsanguinated and all the bands. Um, he he, uh, uh, he was riding with me most of the time. And um, this guy, let me see, Rick. I've been paying attention to all the technicals behind here on, on the uh, on the band camp. Um, he rode with me the whole time, man. And and you know he's a, he's of a vegan persuasion himself. Mm. I, res- I respect that. So we drove a little bit out of the way to get him some some vegan food from a restaurant he liked that he particular down there. And we drove right in the middle of they were having a nationals game. Right. Yeah, okay. and we and like we ended up like I guess waterfront oh, yeah, by traffic. the arena. They had the blocks closed down. They had mm. like traffic matrons telling you you can't even hazard light here for a minute. And, and yeah, they wait. do have a stadium right in the middle of the right in the middle of downtown, I believe. It was fucking wild, man. Yeah, no. t- yeah. It so, but yes, but we we got we got our boy fed. We got back. We played the show there. The runaway was great. Um, and shout to uh, uh, Spagnetti Nation. The um the the Italian restaurant across the street. Oh, I don't know yeah. if you're familiar with the Spagnetti family. Oh uh, no, we I'm I'm sure there are dozens upon dozens of Spagnettis in Staten Island, um, but I don't know any of them. But yeah, you know I'm sure they're um, superfluous. So, <laughs> superfluous. So speaking of Staten Island. Yeah, uh, 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 you loquacious man. Uh, that brings me to you. You mentioned Staten. You threw me for a loop with that superfluous. Uh, we, we we're talking. We're already talking about death metal. Mm. We're talking about bands and shows and beautiful experiences. You and I have had many yeah. beautiful experiences on stages, yes, on floors, mm-hmm. on um, right next to in pool tables. So sometimes, cellars, yeah. Sometimes you squeeze. Yeah, yeah. Bitten in a laundry room that time. Remember yeah. that in Delaware? That was oh, wild. Yeah, yeah. A lot of our great experiences on the stage we shared with the band <laughs> Torturous Inception, also from Staten Island. Tonight's guest, Dustin Primo, uh, and Devin oh. DeCarlo, both classic, long-running, founding guitarists of Torturous Inception. I'm gonna get him on the horn. Shut everything down. This is Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast, and I'm here for the Staten Island Invasion. Uh, none other than Devin DiCarlo and Dustin Primo, better known as the the, the double guitar tag team um, holding down Torturous Inception, a death metal band from Staten Island. Welcome to the Heavy Hole, gentlemen. How's it going, Will? Thank you for having us. Hey, Will, thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> it's a pleasure. <laughs> thank you for being here, man. And full disclosure to the listeners, 
Um, it's a pleasure to have you guys on here. It's it's uh, uh, been too long. Your your band has uh, graced the stage with uh, my ba- different bands that I've been in for many years now, and um, we brought you out to, li- the, to the tiniest little dirtiest dive bars in Long Island, and you returned the favor <laughs> in Staten Island plenty of times. Uh, shout oh, yeah. to shout to Mother Pugs. So. Uh, it's good to catch up, but before we get into all uh, all the pleasantries and all that sort of thing, I think I'm going to learn a thing or two because I'll start um, uh, alphabetically, Devin, uh, and we'll get to Dustin in, in a minute. We always go and ask the typical heavy whole line of questioning, are you from a musical family with musicians in your family or anyone growing up that steered you towards hard rock and heavy metal? Um, not necessarily hard rock and metal, but like... Um growing up like my mom was a dance teacher so there was always music in the house she was always like choreographing things and so music was always around but um the as far as the metal goes that was that you know once i got into school that came from the friends (laughs) okay what about playing guitar uh i started playing guitar uh in the sixth grade and just uh one of my friends from the neighborhood he was playing guitar and uh he uh actually we we found Green Day, and I was like, "All right, I want to play music like Green Day." That was what what started it. So I took <laughs> lessons, uh, you know, learning how to play Dookie and stuff like that, and uh, then it progressed from there. <laughs> All right, and you're a Staten Island native. Yes, born and raised in Staten Island, home of the Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> yeah, and we're gonna get into that because, um, not Wu Tang specifically, but Staten Island. We've had. Uh, our friend Rick Habib from my band's Reeking Aura and Gray Skies Fallen, of course, on the program several times, and Craig Rossi. Um, yeah, we, we've talked about Staten Island, and it's Staten Island's a special place. It's part of New York City, but it's it stands a little bit apart from Queens and Brooklyn and the other boroughs in a way too. Um, uh, so, like, just I mean, growing up on Staten Island, was it easy to access concerts? Uh, more underground types of music, record stores, that sort of thing. Um, or did you have to take the ferry and get into New York City? So Staten Island is absolutely nothing here musically whatsoever, but it's very convenient because it's a 25-minute boat ride into Manhattan. Right over the bridge, you have Brooklyn. The other way, you can go into Jersey. So shows all over the place. I was going, you know, uh, the Meadowlands, um, Madison Square Garden growing up, you know, just is just right in the middle of everything. So it was very convenient. But as far as like right here, um, we got mother pugs. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, all right. So switching gears, Dustin Primo. Yeah. Where uh. are, are <laughs> this guy, man? Uh, I, you know, I was, I've been waiting the day I get Dustin on the mic. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> going to regret that. Original Staten Island resident yourself. Oh uh, yeah, my mother was from California, like uh, Northern California, like farm country, and my father's from like upstate. And uh, she got cast for the original cast of Hair, so she ended up moving to New York. And my father was like, uh, like a grip or like a lighting dude or something like that. And they both like she came to New York because the hair, and uh, he was just like trying to left home upstate New York, trying to be like a city guy or some shit. So is she a recognizable character in the movie Hair? Uh, my mother in the first cast, like the like a Weber. The oh, the, first, um, oh, okay, like a musical on Broadway. Yeah, yeah, yeah play. It's not a movie, like play. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, I, I'm not a well-educated man. Um, 
Okay, so same. Well, I mean, we kind of get there's there's obviously uh, uh, something musical in the family there. You know, I ask if you're from a musical family. Um, is is she kind of like just just like a random musical talent, or is there a long line of music in your family? And is there anyone that steered you towards heavy metal and hard rock growing up? Uh, uh okay, like uh, like she's a. I don't know. Like, I guess she got cast for hair because she was a singer and like she's like uh, like brown or some shit. I know it's supposed to be about like diversity or something, but she ended up getting into she's Native American and she became uh, a Native American. Like she was in an acapella trio called uh, Ulali and you could like see find their stuff on YouTube. And uh, it's just like American Indian, like uh, vocal uh, hand drum type music. And uh my dad was like into like fucking Neil Young and shit. And he always kind of forced the guitar on me. Like I, I wasn't into guitar at all. And uh, like, I remember my 16th birthday, he bought me like this like thousand dollar Martin guitar. And at the time that was like really expensive. And I was like, I have no interest in this shit at all. Like, and uh, I started getting into guitar cause I was into like skating and stuff. And like, so I discovered sublime. And so I was into ska and I took guitar lessons for probably like a year straight, just learning strictly sublime songs and like upbeat ska, like <laughs> like that type of guitar. And uh, and then this guy told me to listen to Papa Roach and he was like, <laughs> this shit will fucking change your life. And I had to check it out because I'm so fucking passionate about it. And that at that moment, then I started trying to play like distorted guitar. It's not heavy metal, but then, then I got into like, you know, distorted uh heavy metal tones type of thing so now you know the uh, foundations for torturous inception is uh green day copper um, yeah. and sublime <laughs> green day was it a music video when i come around on uh 92.3 k-rock okay. i was like this song is amazing i want to do this <laughs> that's funny wow <laughs> will's like very disappointed right now. no 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 it's actually <laughs> what's interesting is there's a common thread of green day and ska through like the last four or five episodes that, that oh, was like, unexpected we, yeah. we got it we got to go on the green day tangent for a second so uh you know um ron from um slaughter the prophets and respawn the ancients yeah shout big shout yep yeah, yeah, big chat. So he uh, he knew of this Green Day obsession, and he called me up one day to tell me that they were filming a movie on his block, and Billy Joe is sitting in his living room. So uh, I told my job that I had a family emergency. I went to Ron's house, and uh, me, Ron, and Billy Joe had a nice Thursday afternoon together. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tell me about that, man. What was it like meeting that guy? How? What year is this? This, I think, like 2012 or 2013. He was, it was, the movie was, uh, I don't even know the name. It was, uh, it's on Netflix. He's like, uh, like a washed up musician. who's like <laughs> doing the dad thing. And I, I, I didn't even watch it, but, uh, I think it was like I don't know, 2012, 2013 around there. And, um, now we were just like bullshitting about music and everything. It was like a totally surreal experience. He was saying how, uh, they play, um, in a studio that's shared by, uh, members of Exodus and Machine Head and like all those guys are, you know, like very close and which I, I thought it was very weird, but you know, it's cool seeing Billy Joe hang out with uh, Gary Holt. <laughs> uh, that's cool. He so I guess he was cool, huh? Yeah, he was very nice. All right, so this is the closest we've gotten to to Billy Joe Armstrong <laughs> and, uh, from anyone who's who's talked about them lately. Um, yeah, yeah. We shout to uh, uh, Mike from Warflurch 
Uh, I talked to him a few weeks ago, and we had this whole crazy old school ska uh, discussion out of nowhere, completely left field. Um, so moving forward, then, Will, did you ever listen to ska? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Like, I, I'm still big into madness a little bit. I hate the song "Our House," but like a lot of their mm-hmm. songs are kind of good. <laughs> a lot of that like English wave uh of ska is really good man um you yeah, know I, I don't amazing yeah I'm not a, I'm not really an expert on I do have a few random compilations I've I've accumulated and when I was in high school and that was a big thing I was trying to look for like the kind of more roots underground stuff um so I I, I know a little bit here and there you know de- de- definitely uh it's it's in my wheelhouse somewhat um but sorry to cut you. No, no, no! It's all good, man. Um, well, my next question was just going to be so. So, we'll we'll go back to Devin for a minute, and I'll ask Dustin the same thing. How does it get then from Green Day to the underground of death metal? Um, and do you, by the time you start Torture's Inception, or in Dust, I know in Devin's case, it's actually Thorn Fiction in two thousand two. Um, and then Vomitus Rectum, like to take me through your underground death metal journey from Green Day. All right. So when I was probably like, I guess like 12 or 13, I started my first real band and our name was Devour. So when Napster came around, I typed in Devour and uh, Devourment came up. And uh, that's like basically how I found like the, the heavy shit, you know? So, uh, and then it just progressed from there. The first like metal band, like you said, uh, it was it's a uh, Thorn of Fiction, and uh, that was the first time we played. You know, we did the whole uh, Lamore thing back in the day. Played with a bunch of really big bands. Our first show, uh, opening for national national touring acts, was opening for <clears throat> Deicide, Amana Marth, and Behemoth, and uh, we were the local support for that. With uh, actually the other local band was Cyanide Breed, which had uh, Dan from artificial brain and revocation in it so the first time we played with artificial brain we uh, had a nice laugh about that playing the uh, the dsi show at lamore back in like 2002 um and then yeah so um after thorn of fiction that evolved with uh the bassist and drummer <clears throat> uh we started vomitus rectum which was just uh it was basically the same thing but we just you know we wanted like thorn of fiction had a keyboard player and it was it was just we wanted to like just take it like to a different direction so we figured like you know new name and uh we, we went from a six piece down to a four piece just trimmed it a little bit and uh that's the band that eventually morphed into torturous inception okay and dustin now same question i mean you kind of said like you you know you were into skating take me take me through that a little bit man you talked about skating were you heavy into like the skateboard subculture out there on staten island and going out skating with a lot of your time when you were younger oh uh, yeah particularly like uh, new york like there was these like uh renowned spots like the brooklyn banks and fucking just a lot of places in new york city that you're close by like the seaport ledges over there like these iconic spots that you see in videos all the time and uh i wasn't at that level at all but i was like immersed in it like it's like how you i don't know when you're passionate about something you just like think about it all the time and uh so i'd watch skate videos and a lot of it was either like rap or like weird type of ska malcolm in the middle theme song sounding music (laughs) and uh yeah so you get into like uh i don't know i was into rap like uh most of high school like uh 
specifically like cash money juvenile like fucking hot boys uh <laughs> lil wayne he was fucking 16 then that was his first album was on cash money like that was like crazy to me and he wasn't he was kind of like underground or like the at the top tier underground like he wasn't like and then that uh drop it like it's hot or that back that thing up like yeah. juvenile shit came up and then he kind of became like i don't know recognized Dude. yeah i was into that all right let's do 20 minutes on the wayne right now <laughs> cash money that was well that was a crazy era because when 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 they all first came out juvenile kind of like rose to the to the top for a while yeah. in the late 90s there yeah. and fucking little wayne was like his like captain or so you know one of those type of roles yeah, yeah, man. There's uh, it, there's an interesting legacy there, man. Um, I watch some of those Vlad TV videos uh, uh, sometimes with the interviews, with the behind-the-scenes stuff. But um, uh, shout to Reality Fade Records, man. I don't think you guys have to worry about any of that crazy crazy st- gangster stuff, man. I think Reality Fade oh. Records teach you, treating you guys right, right? Oh, absolutely. That was that's we're looking really forward to putting out the uh, new album with Reality Fade. They, uh, <laughs> they just go so hard. Every time I open up Facebook, it's merch and just all this stuff and so I'm, i can't wait to get all that shit out there it's gonna be great hell yeah man we'll, we'll talk about that i just thought with the cash money thing um so wait, maybe girl needs beef like that though like <laughs> <laughs> I, maybe some type of long island staten island beef happen. <laughs> I, well, you know, rob wharton rob wharton be coming to you <laughs> once you cross that bridge uh <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I leave. Let's leave Rob Wharton out of this, man. <laughs> we love Rob Wharton. Yeah, I know he'll What's be. Like, he'll be texting us. Motherfucks, Rob Wharton. Let's see. Let's see you pull up in motherfucks right now, Rob Wharton. <laughs> <laughs> he'll be text messaging me before this is even out. Like he'll just know somehow. Streets is yeah. watched. Streets is watching. Um, so you said something before. You were talking about. Uh, all these kind of famous uh, skateboarding places, man. And we've touched on this a little bit. You know, I've talked to different uh, uh, other artists who, who like, uh, for instance, Wilson of Animals Killing People talked a little bit about uh, the skating culture in Columbia when he was growing up and, and much younger. Um, being from Staten Island and having New York City and New Jersey all right at your fingertips like that, even if you're not necessarily a pro skater or something, it is kind of like you, you're born... And raised in a in a very specific world famous area, like one of the best places in the world for skating. No, yeah, people uh, have yet. Some of it might not be true. Like it might be like romanticized vision. Like I've read articles where like New York at the time they would be like New York City is just like one big skate park or something like that. But then I would go to New Mexico because my mom kind of traveled with her Indian singing band. Like she played Woodstock uh, was it ninety four, huh. and. Like, play like california a lot so i'd go with her like when i didn't have school or some shit and uh i'd go to these parks and i'm like this is way better than fucking like these sketchy ass new york spots like some of it was romanticized like it wasn't as like but yeah there are definitely like those iconic spots like the brooklyn banks which is i think it's like rest in peace right now they they try to revive it but there's there's always new places all right and now you said you kind of got into guitar through skating. When did things go death metal, and when did things go like not your average everyday death metal, but underground death metal for you? Take us through that. Yeah. Oh, when Devin was talking about how he played with these like bands when he was younger, I was playing like fucking brunches for like old people playing like Blue Moon, like uh, like jazz, um, like a lot of like jazz chords. I was taking like uh, 
jazz lessons and uh, classical lessons. And uh, right before I met Devin, I didn't touch an electric guitar in probably like almost two years. I was just playing uh, like a lot of Bach uh, nylon string fucking and I was like content with that just learning like these uh he wrote a lot of stuff for the lute which like kind of transposes to the guitar it, it was basically a guitar back then so like he has these like masterpieces that like when like, you learn this three minute song and it takes you months it's it's a very like rewarding like experience do you oh, think God. do you think <laughs> well what you just said uh do you think that translates to technical death metal a little bit because you learn uh like how to build chords and um like he even like bach for example he, he'll reuse like a lot of his ideas in different songs and like so you learn how to like say phrases musically and like just um like a fugue for example is like a theme and then it's like a theme like upside it'll be the same exact theme say backwards and it's called like retrograde and you won't recognize it and it's you're just saying the same thing over and over again but you're doing it in like i don't know clever and creative ways and uh he, he used a lot of motivity a lot like so it, a lot of his stuff is very fast and relentless like but and it just keeps going for like three minutes straight but he achieves like a lot of uh he achieves melody and like with melody comes like emotions essentially so like i try and emulate that on uh you know through death metal i see death metal kind of like uh jazz like where it's like uh a lot of people say it's noise but it's like a structured like it's not noise it might be dissonant but it's not noise like it's written and uh so it's like a, a canvas where you're expressing yourself and you're just using music like Dustin has just wrote a piece or something like that. Like an individual is a, expressing himself or whatever, like using music. Okay. I'm drunk. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're making, you're making sense. You're making sense. I, this is good stuff too, man. I, I appreciate the insight behind the writing in Torturous Inception. And we're going to get into Torturous Inception and who writes what and your process in a few minutes. I just want to kind of, you know, so you meet, you meet Devin, um how do you guys meet are you guys did you guys go to the same high school were you involved in a similar social circle how, how do you guys uh, uh come to meet each other and start jamming you want me to take this one i, I was gonna say a friend of a friend it yeah. was kind of like that essentially so actually the kid who um taught me guitar back in the sixth grade we were um so it was we were vomitous directing it was a four-piece and um we lost our singer so we put an ad out on Craigslist. Tyler replied to it. He showed up. And um, after just one show with Tyler as Vomitous Rectum, we were just like, "This, it's time to lose the silly name and get a second guitar player. And it was just like, Tyler coming. Like We were like, let's, uh, let's just, it's time, to, it's time to take it more seriously because, well, you know Tyler. So it's like, it's like an all or nothing thing. So... Dustin was the second guitar player that we found. So uh, I, I just, I asked my friend who taught me guitar, who doesn't listen to metal at all anymore. It's just a friend of a friend. And uh, he, Dustin showed up, worked out. And uh, that's, that was the beginning of Torturous Inception. Wow. All these years later, here we are, huh? That's wild. Yeah. 11 or 12, almost 12 years now coming up this spring. So when that happens, is it like Devin, are you like kind of turning Dustin on to, to a lot of underground death metal? 
I'd say kind I, of because like, I don't know. Yeah. The heaviest thing I listened to at the time was probably like at that moment in time I was listening to like "Blessed Are the Sick" by Morbid Angel. Okay, and I was, and uh, I think I dabbled in like uh, "Hate Eternal." Like my favorite heaviest things was probably like "Red Chord" and some "Hate Eternal" songs. Like that was probably like the heaviest thing I listened to at the time. All right, so you were there. I mean, you were ready. Um, and, and that was yeah. I was that would be like in the car. I wasn't playing like, like I said, like electric guitar at all. I was just playing like a nylon string by myself. Well, no, you were in it when uh, Vomitus Rectum played a show before Tyler joined the band, and uh, we actually played with Dustin's old band. Yeah, I tried to take a shot and like through the journey of distorted guitar, like uh, like the Papa Roach thing, like it led to like you know Metallica. And then you discover Megadeth. And after, I thought Megadeth was like amazing. And then I focused on Marty Friedman. And I was trying to learn his solos. And then I discovered a uh, cacophony, which was Marty Friedman and uh, Jeff, Jason Becker, who has uh, ALS. And he doesn't even, he can't play guitar. But he still writes music. Like he could only move his eyes or some shit. And he uses his eyes as like a mapping grid to talk to his father. Who's like one of the few people who could uh, like understand. He, like at the time he or not at the time but he joined uh david lee roth he was a virtuoso guy so i got into like i was trying to be one of these virtuoso guitar players like and so then i tried to make a thrash band because i was big into thrash and that's when i played with Devin. okay wait a minute now what was the story of who was the musician who had als oh jason becker he's really good he joined uh uh, he replaced Steve I and David Lee Roth. And then like he made, I think he made one album, but then he got ALS and he can't play guitar anymore. So that was where he fucking maxed out. Like, and he composed he, music and through that, he was able to transpose by his father interpreting him blinking. Yeah. So after he got ALS, like he's known as one of the best uh, guitar players. And then, uh, so then people, uh, I don't know. Someone in his family started releasing these, uh, like demos that he made, essentially, like like kind of like Bach these theme ideas or something like that, and uh, and they released them like that, and then uh, he decided to keep trying to compose, and yeah, he, he uses like a visual grid, like where he points his eye is where his letters are, so he has to like uh, type in letters like in a text, and then like once. He gets enough letters like his dad can kind of guess where he's trying to what he's trying to say or, you know, guess the next letter. Wow. Yeah, he's he's amazing. Uh, Jason, Jason Becker. Wow. OK, that's something to look up. That's that's very interesting. Um, yeah, he was. One of the heroes, so and like yeah, I was big into him and I was big into like uh, at the time, Thrash, like Megadeth and uh, Exhorter. I think Lamb of God was big then. So I try and throw in these Lamb of God ideas. And we played Little Morris together for, I guess, yeah, for Devin. <laughs> that was where we first crossed paths. So that's where we first, like, the only show that we played together. And then, like, after that, after that fizzled away, like, I was just playing uh, nylon string guitar. And then, uh, yeah, a friend of a friend knew how to contact me. And he asked me to come by. And I came to where we still play to this day, like, this building. And, uh... <laughs> This building, yeah, it's a fucking building. <laughs> okay, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, man. Wow. Um, now, uh, respectfully, 
Um, if I'm not mistaken, the original drummer in Torture's Inception is the late Mark uh, Posnack. Rest in peace, if I got his name right. Rest in peace, Mark. We were just talking about if you were going to bring up when he broke your toe. And we were like, <laughs> if he doesn't bring it up, uh, Devin was going to bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely was going to talk about the time he broke my toe. But uh, before we before we talk about that, let's let's um, uh, in, in tribute to the man himself. How does he enter the picture? Does does he know one of you guys from before and one of the other projects? Or, you know, tell me about the original lineup of Torture's Inception coming together, including Mark. Well, I met Mark um, way back in uh, 2002 when the, the first real metal band that I had, uh, Thorn of Fiction. And that was just, um, again, like word of mouth. That was like a friend of a friend of a friend. And um, we actually, we had a show booked at Lamore. It was an insane lineup. It was uh, Demu Borgir, Nevermore, Children of Bodom, and Hypocrisy. Wow. And um, we got offered the show. And we accepted it, even though we didn't have a drummer. So we like went into high gear and we were just asking everybody, we need a drummer, we need a drummer. The show, it was, I think it was like five months away. And um, just, you know, we went to his house and we were like, Mark, we got this show with these <laughs> bands. And, uh, and he was like, I'm in it, I'll do it. And we just, we practiced every single day and, uh, and it worked out. And uh, yeah, that's, that's basically it. Three bands later, like over 18 years, Rest in peace, Mark. So with Mark, you know, I I only know Mark a handful of times by seeing him when he was very excited to be at a metal show. Um, was oh, he- exactly. Yeah, anyone that went to a New York death metal show over the last, let's say, decade definitely has seen Mark. Definitely, definitely knows him well, especially in the pit. Well, yeah, that the the first time I really rem- remember him sticking out to me was um I think it might have been Buckshot Facelift or maybe Artificial Brain, but I was playing at Mother Pugs one night and he was just kind of like doing like his pit thing was just to stomp his feet as hard as he could. And Yeah, and he, it's almost like a mule kick too, like his this yeah. kind of back like it's uh facing behind him and I think that's where he got your toe. He tried that shit at uh Chicago uh, Domination Fest where we played and they they stopped the show and the fucking uh, yeah Miguel promoter, called him out. Yeah, the promoter came out. And was he was like, like, "I will <laughs> I will kick you the fuck out right now." He pointed right out. He was like, "Don't do that shit again." That's that Staten Island shit, man. Keep it out of there, yeah, man. Mark, we went to see uh, a boarded. It was like a stacked lineup at uh, BB King's back in the day. They would have these crazy things like I think suffocation, cryptopsy, aborted, despised. Like it was just it was stacked. And Mark got kicked out twice. <laughs> Well, yes, because Mark was resilient. He didn't let getting yeah. kicked out. Halfway, halfway through the concert, he just ran down the stairs, jumped over the thing, and he was in it. And then they found him and kicked him out again. It was amazing. He did not let getting kicked out slow down his party at all. No. I, I remember that because the time when the same, sh- I think it was the same show. He didn't get kicked out for breaking my toe. I think he just got he got kicked out of Mother Pugs for some reason. Oh, for for setting the trees on fire in the back patio. <laughs> they had that um, what should we call it? That that bonfire planters. thing. They had planters with trees, and then he broke the trees in the planters and put them in the bonfire. Yeah, party so foul. Then, yeah. So then he was obviously not welcomed back, and he showed up the next time we played Mother Pugs with one of those um, glasses with the fake nose and the mustache. <laughs> and uh, they, they, they were so amused they were like 
we obviously know who you are, but fuck it, just come in. We don't even care. Like they were good sports about it. And uh, what was the time where he showed up with his head wrapped up in bandages as a disguise? He he was he was always doing things, man. <laughs> yeah, like because what I remember is Mother Pugs actually like they were they were laughing about it on I think it was probably Facebook. It was years ago, and they were like showing pictures of, like this is the first time yeah. somebody tried to bandage their head to sneak back in the show. I think it was the time he broke my toe. I think either it, I don't forget if it was before or after he got kicked out for something. Probably like some some sort of moss related uh, incident. He, like, he cut his hand and then he went in the pit. And just blood got everywhere, and it was just, it was, uh, there's, uh, there's a hundred Mark stories. <laughs> well, he did end up performing on your first full-length album, The Parable of Scorched Earth, um, yeah. which is a, a, a fitting tribute to his his uh, 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 legacy in the New York death metal scene, not, not just as a mosher, but as an artist. Um, and I mean, real quick, man, uh, before we move on respectfully with Mark, just, you know, cause he, he was kind of a, a living out loud wild guy as, as I knew him oh, yeah. briefly, any, any just like little stories or, or incidents being in the band with him or in general, the man that you want to share before we move forward. Oh man. I don't know. Dustin take, cause I'm actually afraid to ask you. Yeah, I, well, I remember like, uh, he, he got like, he got locked up and that's why he stopped playing drums. And then so like he came out like whatever it was two years, three years later, and he was like, I want to get in drums again. And I was like, Yeah, of course I'll jam with you or whatever. Like he just wanted to get into playing drums again. And uh I remember Debbie, I remember you saying like good, because like I don't want to be alone in a room with him or something like that. Yeah, no, he uh, <laughs> like good that you'll do it. Like, All right, yeah, I got a, I got a good mark story. Um so we were splitting uh the studio that we it's we're in the same building now but it's just a different room and um you know everyone was really cool and there was two drum sets because his thing was um just don't touch my drum set my drums and my drums and no one touches my drums so we showed up to practice one time and um it was obvious that the other band uh touched his drums so he went out to his truck and he took an axe and chopped up the other band's drums <laughs> wow that's that's what i'm looking for there there you go allegedly allegedly when he and when i started jamming with him that's when uh we wrote master penis and i remember i asked you to be on it and i started describing the project and you said like the more you tell me about this project the less i want to be on it. <laughs> <laughs> but like uh master penis is like his fucking uh that's his his opus yeah that's his fucking opus magnum his magnum trojan whatever oh boy <laughs> all right now we gotta slow down we gotta catch the listeners up to like, speed here yeah, it's you could like, like uh, I think about Glenn Gould, like how he he started his career with playing this one piece, and he ended his career playing with the same piece, and like you could listen to that first bowling to torturous, and hear when Mark like first tried to play like you know like put all his all into death metal, and then the master penis, that's you could listen. That's when he, right after we finished that, like I think he died like maybe two weeks or like. He died before we even like finished it. Like it wasn't mastered yet. It was it was barely mixed. He only heard mixes. All right. I'm trying to be respectful. Uh rest, also, rest in peace to <laughs> He died on his his birthday and it, it was something about the numbers being forwards and backwards like it's the same date. It was like 120 I think in 2020 like was it 2020? I don't even know. Oh, 21. That's why yeah, it was 21 cuz like 
that number backwards. I know you're into like space or maybe you're into numerology. Like <laughs> the, the, his birth date and the day he died was like the same number, like forwards, forwards and backwards. backwards. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I, I wouldn't even speculate as to what that means, though. I do find that very interesting. And um, the older I get, the less I believe in coincidences. I'll just leave you with that in terms of my any, any knowledge or belief I may have in that sort of thing. But rest in peace to Mark. Um, and, you know, I'm, tr- I'm trying to be respectful, but when you talk about the album, Master of Penis, you're talking about your, uh, Dustin, your side project, Autistic Opsy. Yeah, we, me and Mark went into that as, like, kind of partners. Like, he said he wanted to jam, and I was like, sure. And, like, I wrote guitar parts, and he wrote... I'd write all the strings, and he'd write the fucking, uh, you know, the drums. Mm-hmm. And uh, we uh, finished uh, Master Penis, and we had... Uh, I was trying to be, like, Moby at the time. Like, uh, you remember how Moby would have, like, a, a different vocalist or something on each song? Like, you were having features. So mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of do that. And that's kind of where we met our current singer, Jorge. He was in uh, Open the Nile at the time, and I saw the Open the Nile video, and it was he was very versatile, and he, he did a lot of voices. And uh, so I was like, come do the feature. And then uh, that's how he got to be, like, you know, you know, in the band, kind of. Oh, yeah, and I was going to get to um, Autistic Opsy and relate the story, which also happened at Mother Pugs. It all happened at Mother Pugs. When you asked me, um, uh, you know, and I, I I was flattered, of course, as I always am, to be invited to a project. Um, but Yeah, this guy broke your toe, and I'm like, uh, he's playing drums, and me, and I'm... Same and it's extremely like- offensive. <laughs> and it's and it's called Autistic Opsy, and the album is called Master <laughs> of Penis. Autistic Opsy kids, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember trying to break it to you very politely and humbly yeah. Um, yeah. that I had that I had to refrain from from any guest appearance or involvement. But um, I'm also an anal birth, so I'm a huge hypocrite. So moving <laughs> forward. Uh, uh, Rest in peace to Mark, and I just did want to give him his propers in this interview. I, I you know, you guys knew like like I did that we had a few stories in there. Um, and you broke I, your <laughs> what's that? You were like the man in the iron boot for like fucking three months. Did I have to? I think I, I might have had to wear one of those black puffy boots for a while. I'm not sure. Yeah, you were like, I, pre- I appreciate the small things in life now, brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, the pre-COVID days, man. We had a lot of, a lot of laughs. So now moving forward, um, like, like you said, Mark, Mark uh, uh, veered another way with things, and he wasn't really able to uh, still participate in drums. Um, tell me a little bit about moving forward. Was it like, was there a long period between drummers, uh, when Mark left or like, how does that work out? So halfway through recording, uh, the parable of scorched earth was when Mark got arrested and, um, we needed to find a new drummer. So Mm. we, uh, we found, um, our old drummer, Dimitri. Um, we actually, we didn't, we never wrote, actually, we think we wrote, we wrote, you, you did Gord with him, right? We wrote like one song. I wrote him. half a song. With him. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but we played a bunch of shows. We did like, that was like when the album came out. So we were like, 
we didn't do like a proper tour, but we were like very active during that time. So we played a bunch of shows, really weren't focusing on writing. And um, I think he, he was in the band for about a year. And then um, he left to, uh, you know, do other things. And we found Zach. And uh, with Zach, we did uh, two EPs uh, that later got um, re-released as like the compilation that's on all the streaming services now, Head First Into the Void. And then we did uh, the second full-length album, Arcane Dominion. And uh, that was the last album we did with both Zach and Tyler. So we had the same lineup going for like, what was it? Oh, like a long time. Like like seven or eight years almost. And then... Uh, Zach is like a prodigy. He, does, he did, wouldn't even practice. He would just like air drum. Yeah, Zach showed up to audition with... Um, without His drums were in storage, so he didn't play the drums, but he just listened to the CD, learned it, and he showed up. And we just, we basically just ran through the, the CD, like the day he came and he played it like pretty much flawlessly. It was insane. Like the first time he played the songs was in front of us auditioning. So he, he, he is kind of like a machine. He's very like yeah. very mechanical drummer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He has like, I, uh, it's kind of like Slipknot to me. Like, uh, like he's very into Slipknot and it has this like kind of, it's flashy, then predictable and flashy, then predictable. And I kind of like equate that to he's big into that, but he would just air drum and then like uh, be able to sit down in a case. But he would have to fine tune the bass drum for like a long ass fucking time, like probably an hour. <laughs> but then that's the only drum he would touch, like just the bass drum. That, that was his thing. But he's like wild fast with fucking uh, his feet. That's interesting because if I remember correctly, he would he, he had triggers all over the, the bass drum. Oh my god! Just insane. <laughs> so why was so he, why did he need to tune it so much? I, he's he's Zach, man. He, yeah, we, we call it Zacking out. Yeah, a lot of. <laughs> I was lenient, but uh, I remember Devin wasn't, and like the bass player, super wasn't. Like, uh, yeah, patient with him, like, because uh, he would have to like fine tune his bass drum. He could do that shit all day, like probably like two hours straight. <laughs> but they'd give him like a half an hour, then start to be real like fucking uh. Started making backhand comments to him. Now you mentioned your bass player. Uh, where does Tom Maroney? He's your longtime bass player, and he goes back to the beginning. No, almost to the beginning. So um, the original bass player, his name was Rob, and he was with me and Mark in Vomitus Rectum. And um, he actually he left right before we started recording. So um, we met Tom. Tom learned like I think like two or three songs, and uh, he tracked those tunes. Those whatever songs he could do. And uh, we just didn't want to postpone the recording. So me and Dustin just did the rest of the bass for that album. But uh, he's like, you know, he's, I think our original bassist maybe played like two or three shows. And uh, so Tom was like basically an original member. He was, just wasn't he's there a, for like the former. He, yeah, he's the OG member, the honorary original member. Okay, man. And how do you guys, like, were you guys just looking for a bass player when the other guy left and, and he a friend of a friend? Like, how do you meet Tom? uh mark mark was in a, a band with him previously and uh so like we you know our our basis left and mark was like we don't even have to look i know the perfect guy <laughs> showed up and that was yeah all nice right man things come together pretty pretty easy out there man and just for the listeners and for me because i'm not from there staten island isn't very big no in terms especially of like a metal scene and looking for musicians right like i mean it's a small world over there right it's yeah. it's I wouldn't say it's not a musical like fucking a, a, it's still New York City and it's still like um, it has like musical like fucking any day of the week you could see like music probably 
but it won't be sure as hell won't be death metal like <laughs> like it'll have flashes of like uh like of a scene and it'll usually be like metal ish or screamo but something like uh some sub genre of metal it'll never be death metal probably but uh it's very musical like the, i've been to like a lot of fucking like a uh, coffee shop type uh open mic things they're always happening there's always these mom and shop like fucking uh music nights yeah and uh I don't know. Yeah, this is a small fucking island, and it's geographically like part of New Jersey. Like, <laughs> I think it's closer to Jersey than it is New York City. Okay, man. Um, and it's like thirteen, I think miles, like something small. Like it's pretty small. And, and it's not necessarily uh, close to or easily accessible to long island in terms of like like they're not next door neighbors you know what i mean if like like if you if you want to go from the two islands yeah long island is kind of a trek uh, unless like you catch a, like a like 2 a.m it's probably like 50 minutes 40 minutes but like nah, the rush Bell, hour the Bell parkway to the southern state you know what that's about will come on during rush <laughs> hour it's definitely two and a half hours yeah. or something like that 210 something like something terrible 150 to whatever and where I'm going is we had on on the Heavy Hole podcast your vocalist Tyler Tyler Lauer um uh, and he and we I went in depth with him on this cuz he's from Long Island he's from fairly close to where I you know where I'm from out here and he ended up falling in with you guys and being your longtime vocalist for many years and we talked to him about how he used to take public transportation between Long Island and Staten Island for a long time. Um, maybe you guys could just give, from your perspective, how he joins the band and how it was it was a little unusual, right, for someone to take public transportation. Oh, absolutely. So that was actually... So we were, we were actually working with another vocalist when, uh, when Tyler reached out uh, and contacted us via the Craigslist ad. And him being in long island was a huge reason why i said we, we're already working with someone and this guy lives in long island i was like it's never gonna work it's so far i was like why are we even gonna waste our time you should shout out that guy that john i don't know how to say his last name oh we, yeah we were working with uh john from uh devilation but what he was in uh triple cripple most recently i think uh lethal entity a bunch of shit you know john john devilation oh okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay shout yeah, out to him we, we were working with him, and I was like a huge Devilation fan. Oh, and Fecal Corpse, too. He was in Fecal Corpse okay. way back in the day. He played bass. Wow. Okay. Um, now you're taking me yeah. back. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was like a huge John fan back in the day. So to be working with John, I was like, oh, this is awesome. Bye-bye. I was like, why are we even going to try this kid from Long Island? Let, let's just, you know, let's let it rock. And um, our bassist, actually, he was like, he sent the, I got a good feeling about it. Let's just try him out. What's the worst that could happen? Invite him to the studio. So Tyler came out, and... Uh, I was like, oh, my God, you know what? I was like, I don't even care that he's from Long Island. So, and that's how it was. He just blew us away. Yeah. Tyler, Tyler sounds good, like, even acapella. Like, no mic. Like, he could fucking get these voices that, like, still sound powerful. Like, just in a room. Like, uh, he's a powerful singer. Yeah, and, and anyone who's interested in death metal vocals in particular um, can go back and listen to my interview with him. We broke it down a lot. And there's also reasons in terms of his um, athleticism, uh, you know, that we talked about. Um, Air where- fryer, chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I was, was going to talk Home about. 
homemade pickles. No, I'm kidding about that. I was going to talk uh, about air capacity in his lungs. We talked about it a little bit, but yeah, that too, nah, man. all about the chicken. To be a good death metal vocalist, chicken, according to Tyler. Bro, I had I grilled some chicken today. If you want to go there, man, and I took the um, what do you call it? The, you know, the, Tyler on the chicken. Yeah. You, you know the little cylinder that you get of the Pillsbury biscuits, and you bake yes. them. Yeah, I got some of those, the little circular biscuits, and I made like little grilled chicken sliders with those. Uh-huh. It, uh, I wish I wish I could like reach through the the screen and give you guys one like a liquid Terminator right now. Tyler would definitely approve. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna get together and do that one day. But let me slide back into um uh what we were talking about before. So Tyler answers the Craigslist ads for some reason. Tom says I got a good feeling about this guy, and well, it this works. Is like, this is Rob, the original base. Okay, yeah, Rob. Okay, sorry. fair. No, fair enough. All right, yeah. and it works out. This guy from Long Island. Now, I mean, I remember specifically. I believe Buckshot Facelifter or um or one of my other bands played the New Jersey Death Fest over there with Gutter. And since I was headed back to Long Island, I offered to give Tyler a ride uh, because I knew how crazy it was. He used to have to take the ferry at all hours of the night and things like that, right? Like, it's it's definitely not easy to get back and forth. It was crazy to me. It's like a, it's a half-hour boat ride. Then he would have to take the subway to Penn Station. From Penn Station, he would take the LIR out to Long Island. And then once he got to Long Island, he would walk, like, oh. in a third amount of miles. <laughs> and it's just like it was- He was paying his dues. So let's, yeah. just, let's just say that. He was paying his dues. Yeah. And for the listeners who heard that episode, I'm not trying to dwell on it, but it is a it, it's it's a crazy um, journey to make to come back from after performing a show and probably having been out all day and all that sort of thing. So shout out to him. Um, and you're right; he is a talented vocalist. He kind of definitely sets himself apart and has set himself apart over the years um, in in terms of death metal vocals. But in terms of setting yourself apart, I wanted to get into something with you guys now. We talked about the parable of Scorched Earth. Um, I want you guys maybe to take take your time and take me through the right, who who's responsible and the writing process for Power, Parable of Scorched Earth and set me up because, if I'm not mistaken, Head First into Oblivion and Void, your next two EPs, you guys kind of... Each wrote the bulk of one differently, right? Like, in other words, one guy wrote a lot of one and one guy wrote a lot of another. Am I wrong? Yeah, it became a 50-50 about yeah. it after that. Like, Parable, like, I remember, I think, like, maybe four of the songs are, like, five of them, five of them are, like, straight Devin, like, prior songs. Yeah, five of the, um, of the half, exactly half, five out of the ten songs on Parable were old Vomitous Rectum songs. One of them was actually released on uh, an EP that came out on Grindethic Records with um, Putrefy and Blastized. You remember those guys? It was, they, Blastized had some crazy shit. They had that little Nicky sample, the priest standing on the pizzas. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's wild shit. I don't particularly, I mean, this is something that slipped through my radar, you know, so. So there's a, a Vomitous Rectum song called Pucor, <laughs> which uh, is track five on the Parable of Sto- Scorched Earth, uh, retitled Vomit-Inducing Conditions, kind of like in tribute to Vomitous Rectum because it was <laughs> an already released song by Vomitous. So I think just one riff at the end was different, but it's basically the same exact song. Uh, and there was like four other songs that were uh, a Vomitous Rectum demo that uh, just never got released that we just, it turned into that. So half of that album was not even really torturous inception so by the time uh 
headfirst into oblivion and void came out that was the first time me and dustin like split the writing 50 50 and uh dustin's responsible for a lot of like the, the really dissonant odd sounding stuff and i do like the uh basic like caveman slam mosh parts and it's just it's it's a really good balance like like i'll write a riff and dustin knows exactly how to complement it and vice versa like it's it's we got a really good writing process between the two of us on parable of the scorched earth it was like uh i know trans transmigration of the foul and strategic i was big into like uh gojira like when i joined the uh, torturous i was like gojira was my thing and so like I, I wrote a i tried to write a gojira rip for um transmigration you'll hear it in the beginning it's definitely like Gojira. reminiscent of uh, a <laughs> Kojira in the beginning and then uh subject i was uh subject to, to onslaught. <laughs> subject to onslaught it, i wrote the bulk of that song and it was like uh i was big into heart machine i was trying to do some like uh i don't know what it's called like maybe like some string skipping uh i, uh, I want to hum it now <laughs> i'm bobby Mc- Fucking McFerrin, like, <laughs> yeah, I give up. <laughs> okay, well, you left, you left us at a good place. I love a Bobby McFerrin reference too. So yeah, when he we does box too, and he'll do that shit acapella, that shit's mad good. I'm big into Bobby McFerrin. <laughs> He's like an inspiration. Bobby McFerrin, like a shout. Oh yeah, shout out Bobby McFerrin. <laughs> You know who I discovered today, and like I want you to listen to is uh, cut this shit out of the recording. <laughs> <laughs> Probably is uh, November Ultra. Like uh, I listened to two songs in my fucking locker room. I only listened to two songs and I fucking sobbed like a fucking baby. <laughs> like th- through both of these songs, and it was like it's it's some singer songwriter shit that like fucking super touching. It's like uh, uh highly emotional. November. Ultra, yeah, November Ultra, and she's playing in New York City Mercury Lounge. Is that place hard to get into? Let's go on uh, nine thirteen, which is like fucking soon, like five days or four days. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. November Ultra. I'm going to ask you guys to recommend some music at the end. But what I want, speaking of singer songwriter, now what I want to get into though, head first into oblivion and void are both available on a compilation headfirst into the void released by amputated vein records. If I got all that right for just for the listeners, we recommend music as we go along for people to check out. Cause they know the story now from you guys. I want to know, break it down for me. Who wrote the bulk on headfirst into oblivion? Who wrote the bulk on void and what can listeners kind of expect different from the two releases? Was that done purposely? Is there a concept there? You know what, or, or was like, was there just reasons why somebody wrote more than another one the next time? No, I think the writing was like split evenly 50, 50 on both of them. And, um, <clears throat> the reason for the two EPs was just because we didn't want to wait to, uh, to release music. We just wanted to, you know, have a steady stream. So we did one EP and other EP. And then we gotten, we were, uh, in contact with Amputated Vein for uh, the next full length that we were going to do. And in talking, it just came up to just combine the, the two past releases because they were wrote like, they were wrote like very like uh, simultaneously, like right back to back, not simultaneously. I'm drunk too, Will. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> well, yeah. um, we're drunk, brother. 
<laughs> this SummerSlam. <laughs> yeah, Will, no, it's, you... it's, it's basically it was basically like one album that we just like recorded in two pieces. So it was only fitting to re-release it as a compilation. And it came out really cool. There's like three covers. Like when you open it up, it's just like full of artwork. And it came out really cool. Shout out to Amputated Vein. They do a great job with everything. Okay, got it. So, so um, more collaborative writing press process than what I was inferring before. Um, and on those two EPs, I guess you get to see a little bit more of Torturous Inception's identity. Yeah, that, that to me is like the, the first Torturous Inception album because the first one, it was like basically just like leftovers and there was maybe like, like three or four songs that we wrote together. So uh, those two EPs were, were the first like collaborative effort. And like, basically like that, that was like when torturous inception became what it is still to this day. Yeah. And um, now you guys also started performing live quite a bit. Like I mentioned before around 2012 is when buckshot facelift uh, my band kind of um rejuvenated our lineup and started performing live a lot again i started getting out there with another band i used to be in and so on and so forth so i started playing shows with you guys um a lot and meeting you guys for the first time in the early teens there and you guys started getting out uh refresh my memory what year was it that you guys went on tour with party cannon and what other bands were part of that package oh that was um parasitic ejaculate uh, ejaculation was, was the headliners and um who else was on that party cannon crepitation and us and um we did uh about a week of it uh parasitic ejaculation did basically they were out for like a, a month and a half they went everywhere and um our first day was uh in chicago as part of the chicago domination fest and then we did uh then we just basically traveled home and played shows we did ohio um New Hampshire, uh, and just, you know, traveled back home. And, uh, that was, you know, those, those three other bands. Shout out the dollar pizza guy. I only know him as dollar pizza on fucking Instagram. What's his name? That Hank Hill looking motherfucker, <laughs> the, the main guitar player in uh parasitic ejaculation. Parker Parker. Yeah. Parker. He, uh, tell a story about him, like shutting down some fucking right wing guy. Oh, I don't even remember. You're gonna have to do <laughs> Let's that. Let's talk politics for a yeah, second. Well, like uh, during a domination fest, uh, he he saw a guy with a rebel flag, and he was like, he stopped his show for the yeah, the entire the entire festival, and fucking <laughs> this guy yeah. stopped the whole festival. It'll be like uh, this guy's wearing a rebel flag, and I ain't feeling that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those guys were awesome. That was an he's a, he's a great guy, and uh, so is the singer, and so is the drummer. The singer was uh, a villain. They, yeah, the singer was like a, a fucking a hired gun type of situation. What was his thing? I don't remember. He was great though. He was he yeah was, that that whole he was reminiscent of Tyler like, and he looked like Tyler a little, a little yeah. too. He's like blonde, blue eyed guy. Those guys in Party Cannon. Oh my god, we can do like an hour on them. Specifically, Dustin and Martin have like a very special relationship. <laughs> we sat next to each other a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and when you sit next to each other a lot in a van, RoboCop, you learn a lot about a man. You know what I'm talking about, Will? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I've learned quite a bit. I've learned quite a bit about about. Uh, qu- we got to start some beef. Oh my god. We're not gonna get big until we start some beef. Well, I was thinking about this. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> let's just have a shootout. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> 
It's true. Oh, boy. You know, you do, I'm trying to stay away from all that. That's why I do the podcast, bro. You don't want you don't want me out on out on the streets and in the venues, man. <laughs> Every day, man. I, the iron boot. You <laughs> oh my god. I'll be I'll be slipping on the iron boot. It's I'll, a, it's I'll, be, I'll be slipping cyanide into someone's drink or something, man. That, why, do you I, think I, uh, I, I Giselle can't. Maxwell killed herself? Let's talk politics. Oh my God. No, let's just let's just talk politics. Leave that. I, I'm not Tim Dillon. All right, he's one of my favorite podcasters, but I don't do that. That, that I, I do the I do the Jamie Josta show type of uh, vibe more than Wait, the, the queen died today. The more, queen died. Allegedly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus all right, don't worry. Christ. Well, I'm gonna get Dustin under control right now. Yeah. No, no, thing. no. I, I love I him. Like, man. Uh, I feel like a fucking. What's that Mandela effect? I swear to God, the queen already died. If you would ask me like 24 hours ago, I would be like, yeah, she's dead. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I swear to God. I thought she was already dead. Yeah, the, the queen of England passed away today, age 96. Um, they're very historic. I think that's one of the longest uh, reigning monarchs in like history. Yeah, you got to say king of England or now. The king, yeah, say- King Charles is, is in there now. Yeah, yeah. Get used to it. Well, used to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I my my ship sailed. I don't know if I'm ever going to perform in Europe, man, or, or uh, Great Britain, man. That 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 ship left without me. But um, enough about getting to know people in vans. Uh, we were talking about party cannon, um, which uh, uh, they're 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 a Scottish group, are they not? Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, shout to them. So we're kind, you know, we're kind of still in the neighborhood there, man. I, I'm, I'm trying to segue back into music from what we're talking about now. Um, yeah. uh, and you did the tour with them. Now, you did you guys do a lot more traveling besides that one tour? No, not really. That was the only like legitimate tour that we ever did. Then we did like a bunch of weekend warrior stuff. Like we went out to uh, Boston and. Uh, somewhere else out there like near cape may or cape cod whichever one is in new england um <laughs> uh <laughs> did like ohio just like you know like little weekend shit but that was like the only time we actually like went out and spent like a significant time on the road got it okay man um just wanted to cover my bases with that one uh in case i missed anything but in 2018 you release arcane dominion uh like we said on amputated vein records um your most recent full-length album to date with what 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 some people might be able to call the legacy torturous inception lineup uh at least the the, one of the most long-running lineups you guys had um tell tell me a little bit about what went into that album in terms of writing uh, did you come away from those EPs wanting to go a somewhat different direction or with a different writing process? Not really. I think it was just more of the same, really. Dustin. Well, we went into that trying to do, uh, we each take responsibility for two songs. Oh, yeah, that's us. right. That's right. There was five of us. And so we were like, we each do two songs as 10 songs. And there was, uh, at least there was two specific songs, um, Dominion. What are the Zach songs? Yeah, Dominion and Rolling in the Grave were actually uh, written by our drummer at the time, Zach. Which it, this was actually a crazy process. He would uh, he would write guitar riffs by humming them. So uh, the the original idea for Zach's two songs, like his contribution, was uh, one of the songs he would hum and like kind of like write through Dustin, and the other one he would write through me. So those two songs were uh, Dominion and Rolling Through the Grave, or Rolling in whatever the rolling in the grave song is on yeah 
I know I wrote uh, two songs. It was uh, one of my Perpetual Misery Storm and what was the other? Silhouette Visions. Silhouette Visions. And those were like, I was trying to do some uh, Quentin Tarantino shit where I wrote, like I was like, uh, like in his movies, a whole, uh, whole, it'll flop between uh, the present and past and maybe future. Different storylines. Yeah. And it'll be a, uh, specifically like on a different like uh either past present or future and so i was like how do i achieve that musically and i was like i'll just straight up fucking like i'll write a voice say for uh uh samuel L. jackson it was a uh, second chords where i play the two which it's a distant sounding chord i'll play the two and the flat two so all his chords will be his voice will be two chords and uh uh john What's this, John Travolta? He's uh, all tremolo picking, uh, <laughs> fucking like single note tremolo picking. And uh, uh, Bruce Willis was fourth, so I'll have all these voices, and I'll just write the scenes. Each person will have a voice, and I'll try and achieve this like uh, flopping between future and past. Like it was, it was a lot of themes. I'm trying to be Bach, and I'm trying to be uh, Quentin Tarantino <laughs> at the same time. It's kind of some stoner shit. <laughs> and that's what I was into at the time. You're still into that. I'm still into that. <laughs> so, I mean, there really are stories within these these technical death metal songs you guys are writing. What were the two songs, again, that Zach wrote by humming to you guys and interpreting them? Yeah, he would hum and be like, and I was super against this thing, but uh, I was like, I'm going to do this, and eventually I'm going to write something, and you're not going to like it, and uh, you have to play it. And so I was like, I'll be totally complacent and uh, play whatever you hum. And uh, I wasn't happy about a lot of the note choices he'd play. It was a lot of like, for example, the Dominion. It's like, is that the song Dominion? Dominion, yeah. It's like, dun 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 The beginning is kind of like a... chromatic, and I don't like it. It sounds like like Load Era Metallica. Yeah, it sounds like some, I'm trying to be tough, some fucking single dad fucking riffs i don't fucking know and uh i wasn't feeling it at all but i'm like i'll play whatever you want you have to play whatever i want and that's the way we went into arcane dominion it was that's was my mindset when we went into that so rolling in the grave and dominion were the two songs that zach wrote like that yeah yeah he had air guitar for rolling in the grave he was like and i played what he hummed, he's like, "Yeah, it's perfect." And I was like, "That fucking sucks." <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like agreed to like go through with it. I was like, "I'll play whatever you want." Like, it's just you have to play whatever I want. Oh. And the end result came out really cool. So, oh man, it's interesting to me to go back and listen. Now, here's my other question: How? What are the two songs, and how did Tyler write them? That Tyler did. Oh no, that was Tyler. Uh, Tyler was just uh, strictly vocals, so we uh, the writing was split between the uh, the instrumental, the instrumental part. Okay, okay, all right, yeah. all right, all right. Yeah, he was he was fine with that. He wasn't like a, he didn't cause this thing. Okay, uh, honestly, we should for this next thing. Let's make him write two riffs. Yeah, there's gonna be a but. Well, we got to get into that. Yeah, we're gonna do that. And I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll listen to the album and try to hear it now. That's interesting. Wait, does your toe hurt? <laughs> like when it rains, does your toe hurt? <laughs> Are you like it's gonna rain today? Only when <laughs> <My> I. <toe hurts. laughs> 
<laughs> Only when I listen to Parable or Autistic Opsy does my toe hurt. It 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 it, it pulsates with the drums. Here come Master Penis. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, <clears throat> boy. We tried to make Master Puppets, so it's like there's the instead of the spider webs, is there spider webs or I don't know? Instead of the 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 headstones, there's penises, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the the fingers on the puppets are it's Master Puppets, yeah. Well, so instead of the fingers, there are also penises, and uh, there's like cum for the spider webs. <laughs> Uh, it's pretty good. It's done by uh, uh fuck, I don't know who does it. Do they want to be credited? Uh, who does it? <laughs> the artist. <laughs> Man in the iron boot. <laughs> does the artist want to be credited? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it wasn't I, Mark Cooper. What do you think about Mark Cooper? Let's talk shit about Mark Cooper. <laughs> Mark Cooper's awesome. Wait, He's all right. Whoa. He's I, as far as I know, Mark Cooper. Wait, who's Mark Cooper? Mark Cooper, um, he's wait. Uh, Mark Cooper did masterpieces. <laughs> Mark Cooper basically he did he did all our artwork for everything, starting from the logo, okay, to every album, every T shirt. Uh, he's he's our art guy. Shout out to Mark Cooper, Mind Rape Art. Yeah, he's all right. Okay, yeah, he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta watch. Yeah, this fucking guy Dustin, bro. I gotta watch you, man. Um, <laughs> out of control. <laughs> out of control. All right, so. Um, now moving ahead, the last few years, um, there's been a little bit of a shakeup within Torture's Inception. Um, you guys have announced, uh, and it's no secret now that Tyler is back in the fold, but, uh, in the interim, while he was not in the band, you guys released, uh, two singles that had, um, is it Will Escolano on on vocals or was it, uh, no, I'm I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. Jorge so, Coronel? Yeah, Will uh, from Necroptic Engorgement, shout out to Will. Um, he helped us out in between vocalists. So when Tyler left, um, I honestly really didn't even want to continue the band. I was like, let's let's just do something else. You know, like I was just kind of like disenchanted with the whole thing. It was just like a rough time. Nothing like specific. It was just, you know, being in a band is is peaks and valleys. And we, would just, we just hit a real low spot. And... Uh, Tyler was like, I'm out. And I was like, I don't want to do it without Tyler. Um, Let's talk about why we, Tyler went out. Oh, well, my we God. Get out of here. No, no, we're here, Will. We're here, Will. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, so basically, I kind of thought that Tyler was going to come back eventually. So I didn't want to look for a, a new vocalist immediately. Uh, so Will is like a very good friend. We, we've played a million shows in Necroptic Engorgement. We, you know, that's a whole nother topic, us in Necroptic Engorgement. But uh, he agreed to help us out for a little bit. Uh, and eventually I thought we were just going to play some shows and Tyler was going to come back. But then it was obvious that he wasn't going to come back. And Will, as much as we loved Will, like talking about Long Island being a journey where Will lives up- upstate, that's a journey. There's no way that that was going to work out. Plus, you know, he's very busy with his other bands and he's a family man and all that. So we just kind of looked around. We found this other guy. We did like a show with him. It really didn't work out. And um, then I heard the the autisticopsy thing that Dustin did, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" I was like, "Why is why is Jorge not now a band?" And uh, Jorge joined the band shortly after that, and uh, we did uh, we did one single, uh, a brand new song, Awari. That was the the first song we did with him and our new drummer that we that's in the band now, John. <clears throat> and uh, 
Then the second thing we did with Jorge was um, a re-recording of a song from Parable of Scorched Earth, which we decided to do because uh, it was the 10 year anniversary of that album coming out. And, um, you know, we just wanted to show everyone that like, even though we got a new singer, like we could still make the, you know, we still have the classic torturous inception sound. So like doing an old song with a new guy was like, it was like a good thing to do, you know, like at the time. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's where we are now. And you, 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 me- you mentioned your drummer, John, is that John Iovine? Yes. John Iovine. He was, he, him and Jorge were actually both in the band open the Nile. And, uh, they joined our band, like maybe like a couple weeks apart ironically and they had no idea that that was going to happen but uh okay and yeah. john's still with you but now tyler is kind of back in his position as vocalist at this point yeah so what happened was um you know like i was always in, in contact with tyler we never really lost touch and uh we actually became like way better friends after he left the band and started talking a lot and you know we, we just we never lost touch and uh eventually we were playing at the kingsland in brooklyn with the new lineup and uh, Tyler said he wanted to come out. So I was like, look, no pressure. If you want to do something, come on stage, sing a song. So he joined us for two songs. He did the Zach song, Dominion, and he did uh, The Last Infected with us. And after that, you know, it was, it was just obvious. We were like, all right, Tyler's got to come back in the band. But, um, you know, like it was really working out with Jorge. And uh, like, like I said, like I didn't want to do the band without Tyler and like Jorge coming. Like it's just like it was like a breath of fresh air. So as much as I wanted Tyler back in the band, like I was really dreading the conversation with Jorge, like, listen, man, Tyler's coming back, blah, blah, blah. So uh, this new album, we're going to have two singers. And uh, that's what we're doing, Jorge and Tyler. Wow. I think uh, specifically for live stuff. Like- yeah, live is going to be wild. The energy between the two of them, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a sight. And also, like during recording process, like you overdub voices and there's, it's it'll have that heavy or harmony effect like when uh the two singers are like uh <clears throat> reminiscent to fucking necropic engorgement they have two singers and like they do highs and lows at the same time and they do harmonies and uh it's super powerful live and uh we'll be able to achieve that sound that's also like uh what's it uh looking at it what's that visually yeah visually, <laughs> visually it'll be like fucking it's good too when we had will as a fill-in he's kind of a big guy and visually i thought it was like incredible i was like this is our singer this is fucking it like we look so powerful we look like a juggernaut like with a will as a front man he's like i don't know he just has a big presence visually and yeah, we we'll have two, two skinny guys. So yeah. we'll be able to achieve one will. Like. <laughs> I I like to think that maybe um it would take two skinny guys to equal one of me too, man. I don't who knows. Um I I'm really interested to hear that though. I didn't know that's where we were going with this. Yeah, uh, we actually we just recorded a single. It's gonna be out in uh hopefully a week or two. And uh yeah, seeing Jorge and Tyler in the studio together, it was it's it's really cool man i'm looking forward to having everyone here i'm very interested because i you know i know obviously i know what tyler can do and i've heard what uh, jorge could do so that's going to be cool to hear and i kind of like i think like the the two singer idea is actually kind of cheesy but i mean like at the end of the day like we have two guitar players so you can have two singers at the end of the day it's like what it's about is like this this is a band that's about like just friends hanging out making brutal music and 
and that's what we're going to do. You know, like it's, it's, that's what it is. It's like, it's awesome to just have everyone in the same room. We get along so great. And the product is, uh, it'll, it'll speak for itself. You know, man, I, I don't know that it's cheesy. I think it's the type of thing where, um, it, it... not cheesy. I do. I'm sorry to cut you off. I just think it's like, not really like necessary because, you know, I mean, like both, both guys have fronted the band on their own. So it's kind of like, I feel like it's kind of not cheesy. I'll, I'll use the word gimmicky I, almost, but I don't care. It's going to be cool. And it's going to be a great time. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I, I, I think it's the type of thing where if they, you know, depending how they do it is what justifies it. Uh, and both those guys are experienced in what they do. So I'm looking forward to that. And you mentioned new material that's going to be coming out on reality fade records. Now, uh, your next album, right? Yes, absolutely. Reality fade. So, I mean, you let us know a little bit about, obviously this is a big switch up with the dual vocal idea, what else can you tell us? Is there anything notable in terms of writing or conceptually about this new album going forward that you're about to put out? Um, well, we're about, I think we got like maybe like three, almost, almost four new songs down. And it's just, um, I don't know if Dustin take this one. Help me out. It'll be similar to probably Arcane Dominion where it's like, um, I know there'll at least be two songs where, like, I'm uh, totally immersed in, where I'm like trying to like uh, do the best I could possibly do, and a lot of it isn't in uh, physical ability. It's like writing stuff. Like, uh, I don't consider myself like a. Although I wanted to be like Jason Becker, where I wanted to be a virtuoso guitar player, I feel like. Uh, a lot of the writing and the chord structure yeah it's kind of like instead of it, it's still extremely heavy but instead of having it be heavy uh by means of like breakdowns and slams it's more of like a a heavy unsettling atmosphere so it's just yeah it's it's a lot of tense it's cool stuff also like uh with when i think of writing stuff like uh you can't have ugly without beautiful you can't have like you can't live without die type of thing. So I try to, I try to, I don't know, uh, play things that are, uh, write things that are like, in my mind, like beautiful. So you could have those ugly slams that are the contrast of what you're showing. Like you're showing like happy things too. Then like also like very sad things and very like unresolved fucking, uh, situations okay <laughs> there's there's no you're making a lot of sense um uh dust and it sounds like there's a lot more depth a lot more emo emotional on the last song we wrote we have an artificial brain riff where I'm yeah we call on, it the rdb riff <laughs> yeah like we're i'm playing these opening it's uh i don't know it's some chords with some open strings and so they like uh they resonate yeah, it's it's dissonant and it's also not necessarily like a dark, but it's unsettling. Mm. So it has a yeah, we call it the Artie Brain Riff. <laughs> All right, man, no comment. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, 
what I was going to say, though, is that there, for a band that might get lumped in the same neighborhood as brutal tech death, guttural, brutal death metal, blasting death metal, there's a lot of emotional depth and compositional complexity um, there that I think maybe in, because of the way you guys perform it might take a listener to to sink in. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, I... I that's kind of it's kind of weird to say, but like I, I kind of don't even really consider us like a death metal band. I think we're, it's it's brutal music, but uh, I mean, when I think of death metal, I don't think of the music that we write. I try and write like um songs that are the same click, like say uh, one twenty BPM, for example, where it's like a set, uh, you know, a click you can play through the whole entire song. But the time signature will change. So instead of going to four four, where it's like one two three four one two three one two three, and it'll have the effect of uh, uh, a tempo change. But it's not a tempo change; it's just a a time signature change. I do a lot of like seven and three, where it'll, it'll switch from like four to seven, and then uh, it'll have the effect of like a new character. It, as a listener. I'm unsure what you're hearing, but like in my mind, you're thinking it's a tempo change, but it's not. I try and write like a JS Bach where it's like all consistently like bop, 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 the whole like fucking three and a half minutes, four minutes, whatever it is. And uh, I want to achieve like the whole have a steady tempo and it'll be a high motivity where it's like just relentless and non-stopping like bop, 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 for like four minutes straight. But you'll, as a listener, you'll go on a journey of like fucking emotion. You'll feel like there's hope. There's not hope. This is fucking sad. This is, it'll be okay. No, it won't. This is the bottom of the fucking barrel type of situation. Huh. All right, man. I, I appreciate that, man. It's interesting to get this kind of behind the scenes um, insight into the music, uh, which you know, at at face value, people might may not realize what's going on. You know what I mean? And then you can listen to it in, in new ears. Um, so the yeah, new- I'm feeling bad about myself, I'll be like, "There's you don't fucking hear a difference in these chords. These are just power chords. Like I can play something simple, and the listener will feel the same thing." Uh, that's when I'm like down in the dumps, like emotionally, and I'll feel like uh, you can't discern the difference between like these complex things I'm doing and like something super basic. I hope like somebody feels the shit. <laughs> uh, well, I'm sure Reality Fade uh, feels it, man. Um, en- enough to yeah. Shout out Reality Fade. Thank you so much for taking uh, your time with us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, helping us promote or, you know, giving us some canvas to paint a picture on type of shit. And um, now, it's, so that's your people are going to watch out for new material out there on Reality Fade. If they want to listen to any of the stuff we've talked about, uh, they could go to your usual streaming platforms and that sort of thing. It's out there. Um, I, I, I went to Bandcamp. Everything's on Bandcamp for me. Now, I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to plug and promote anything else that's going on or anything else in the future. Are there any shows coming up? Uh, we're going to have to talk about that after this podcast. Okay. All right. So behind the scenes, we might try to work some, something out. We could be on stage again uh, yes. to, to get united together as friends. Uh, but but before... No, nothing currently, but no. 
Yeah, okay, so before we get into that, the, I'm going to get back into the typical Heavy Hole podcast line of questioning that we always um, follow up with. Can each of you guys take your time, go slow, and uh, each of you recommend one older and one newer release by any artist, metal or otherwise? It could be a demo, an EP, an album, anything you want. Just something that's relatively back in the day and something that's relatively new um, that you could recommend for me and the listeners. Um, as far as a new release, I'm going to go with a new release from an older band and say the latest Red Hot Chili Pepper album, Unlimited Love, is the first album they did with John Frusciante and I don't even know how long. And that guy is just a musical genius. And uh, that was just uh, a surprise because I I wasn't really feeling the singles they released. But once I heard that album, it's uh, it's amazing. So definitely check out the new tri- they're actually coming out with another album before the end of the year so i don't know they're just they're busy guys as far wow. as an older album uh everyone should definitely check out the answer to infection by digested flesh which to me is like the true definition of what slam really is okay digested flesh where were they from new jersey that's right digested flesh I feel like we talked about them a while back on the podcast, and they that album. Oh my god, amazing! Great if, guys too. If I'm not mistaken, they that's actually, that's they played that New Jersey Death Fest that uh, you were talking about when you gave Tyler the ride home. Yeah, they, like, yeah. they were on that show. Yeah. You had the iron boot on when you gave Tyler that ride home. <laughs> <laughs> You're pressing the gas with the fucking iron boot. Yeah, iron but that we got home fast that day. <laughs> Dustin, recommend albums. I recommend Bookshop Facelift. <laughs> <laughs> I only have two words. Uh, when, I don't know. When he was talking about, like, what I feel like the epitome of closest to perfection is, like, what's the Defeated Sanity album with uh, Rock on it? Oh, where is that? Um... Or whatever that shit is. Passages into deformity. Passages into deformity. I try and emulate that feel a lot. Like, uh, not necessarily like, I'm not trying to copy him, but like, that's fucking close. And also the shitty ass, uh, what are they, uh, fuck. <laughs> what's, what's that band that I want to say crypt, cryptopsy? Yeah, Cryptopsy. Like the the shitty albums like uh Whisper of Supremacy and uh, <laughs> Yeah, people always say that that fucking album is shitty. Uh Whisper of Supremacy and what's the other one? Um and then you'll beg. And then you'll beg. Yeah, those are so good instrumentally. Like those are like as close to perfection as like in my eyes. Like those are fucking damn near close. Uh, I like the specials. <laughs> I like uh, uh, madness. I like a lot of two tone ska. Let's go back to ska. <laughs> the closest to perfection is uh, the Malcolm in the Middle song. You're not the boss of me now. <laughs> you're not the boss of me now. And you're not so big. I sat next to you in a, vic- a van for so long. You're not so big. <laughs> what do you think about that, Will? <laughs> <laughs> wow I, I, there's a lot there's a lot there man um jesus christ <laughs> i i was ready i was ready to talk about two-tone ska man but then you did the whole malcolm in the middle bit you're not the boss of me oh now. 
Oh, boy. Yeah, Two-Tone Sky, there's definitely a lot of good stuff to go into. Mike Warflerch, uh just told people straight up, like, don't listen to any white boy ska. Go right back to the old Jamaican records, the old uh, ska and Rocksteady records. But now I like that we're advancing our heavy hole podcast coverage of ska, of talking about two-tone records, which is, I guess, maybe like, what, second or third wave ska from England in the late 70s, Dustin? Yeah, exactly. It's like it's a, it's more of a poppy, like top of the pops, like fucking, uh, uh, yeah, commercial. You could almost, you could argue that it's fucking commercial as hell. What, what about the ska flaws from from uh, from Long Island, New York? Do you know about them? Hell no. <laughs> that's uh, that's more your '90s wave ska. That's like they were from like my my one of the one of them was a school bus driver in my town allegedly. What do you think about uh fucking folly? That uh, like ska hardcore. I just saw Folly open for Glastra. Wow, I I would be interested <laughs> in seeing Folly, and I'd be interested in seeing what Glastra is doing now. Glastra know. was crazy. It was it was pretty wild. I had no idea they were going to do this. He actually um changed the lyrics to uh, a bunch of the songs from the first album that would be uh troublesome these days. <laughs> so. uh it was pretty interesting, but it was cool, man. They did. Uh, I saw them, they did two albums back to back. They did uh, everything. You wait, a, know wait, 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 They changed a bunch of the lyrics from what was that album? The the everything you wanted to know about silence or something? Yeah, there was so. Um, there was I not, uh, I'm very familiar with the album. I remember when it came out. It's definitely yeah. a little rapey and punching women in the facey lyrically. There was not- uh, a bitch, a whore, or a cunt the entire, uh, you know, he just kind of every time there was one of those words, he kind of just like put the mic down and, and made a face like, wow. sorry guys, I did that. <laughs> you know, like, he, he owned it. It was it was cool. Hmm. I'm not, see I've never been a huge Glassjaw fan but they're from like my area and obviously they had that huge trajectory and blew up yeah. Uh, so I am. I'm. You know. I'm kind of like in a pedestrian way familiar with their first album, which is an amazing extreme music album, especially in context for the time. It was very groundbreaking for the way it combined a lot of styles of heavy music. I'll give it its due. But yeah. lyric, I you know, I never even because it's not something I listened to a lot in the last like 15 years or so. But lyrically. Oh, yeah, a lot of the not, stuff is not, like, not really with the times nowadays. No, a lot of the stuff is very offensive, which was cool. It's cool that they did that album and they chose to do that because it was kind of <laughs> just like, you know, they 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 owned up to it. You know, he didn't yeah. obviously deny it, but uh it was cool. It was it was a it was a, a nice way to to do that. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm not a huge Glassjaw fan, but that is, that's, that's something that never even occurred to me. That's interesting that they did that. Um, yeah, it probably wouldn't have gone over great if he just, if he just did it like the, like the album. Yeah. He, that's a very, very angry record. Oof. It's, <laughs> it's definitely a little, you don't want your sister dating this guy. You know what I mean? No, yeah, it's not. a little. Yeah, he was a he was a little emotional and angry on that record, as as some yeah. some of us are in, in a young way. We'll let the listeners uh, be the judge. They can go back and, and listen to that man. Um, so we cover torturous inception. New stuff coming out on Reality Fade Records. I really appreciate all the behind-the-scenes insight. I like how Dustin kept taking us off the ledge, like I knew he would. Uh, shout shout to you, Dust. I've been waiting to get you on here for a long time, man. You're you're one shout of my. Iron boot. <laughs> Let's talk about that iron boot. <laughs> <laughs> that <was the> <laughs> yeah. 
Fucking iron boot. I'll tell you what, that iron boot came in a lot more handy than them fucking space goggles. <laughs> oh man. You know I remember one time like you you would do this thing where you took off the space goggles and you would throw this cyclops stare into like a random direction. And one time you, you threw it in my direction and fucking that shit hit me and I was like very unsettling. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was like, oh man. That's but, yeah, I can't even describe like honestly like how fucking oh, uncomfortable I felt. Uh, I'm glad I could do that for you. <laughs> that's my that's my goal usually when I look at somebody from Staten Island. It's a it's a defensive I'm so thing. Autistic, like oh my God. <laughs> the the way you hit me with some eye to eye contact, I was like, oh man, <laughs> I need to talk to someone about this. Yeah, that's yeah. that's usually the look I that's the, that's the look I give when I when I'm like trying to talk to a woman. So it usually doesn't go well, man. They 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 think they yeah. they think I'm the guy from Glassjaw. It's crazy. Yo, what's the deal with women? Let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, we we went everywhere else tonight. Let's go there. Go ahead. <laughs> I got nothing. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we should, uh, punch him in the face like glass jaw. Oh yeah. man, yeah, those lyrics were kind of crazy. Um, but uh, I appreciate you guys uh, behind the scenes insight. It was great chopping it up with you guys. We're gonna talk behind the scenes. Hopefully, you see one of my bands and torture torturous inception on a flyer together soon. Uh, stay tuned and and keep in touch. Uh, also, stay in touch with Reality Fade Records to look for the new Torturous Inception material when it comes out. Um, some of the older material is available on Amputated Vein Records. Check check for it wherever you buy streaming stuff, or if you still buy merch, buy the merch. Um, anything else to plug or promote, gentlemen? Um, well, Will, uh, props on that new Reeking Aura. That's an amazing album. Everyone, check out the new Reeking Aura album. Thanks. I, I didn't pay you guys to say that. <laughs> Appreciate he just bid me twenty dollars. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I'm I'm not buying you any more glue. You got to cut it out. Uh, 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 Devin DiCarlo and Dustin Primo of Staten Island's Torturous Inception. I really sincerely uh, wish you guys the best and hope to see you in real life uh, sooner than later, man. Thank you very much for your time, guys. Thank hope you for having you too, us. Well, thank you so much. Devin DiCarlo, Dustin Primo, uh, gentlemen of uh, the most excellent caliber. Thank you so much to them for their time. The band Torturous Inception, please check them out. Rick. Um, yes, sir. I, I know you're feeling at home because uh, we were, we're already, we've been in Staten Island. We were in Staten Island before we started the interview. The interview was in Staten Island. Now we're back mm -hmm. on Staten Island. Um, mm -hmm. I got a little uh, news flash from Staten Island. This just in. From the Staten Island Advance, the local paper founded in 1884. There's your little tidbit of knowledge. That's why I keep you around, bro. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> uh, that and the, the, what was it, superfluous? Um, yes. But, well, listen. Uh, since Speaking the of superfluous right yeah, here. Yeah, superfluous news right here. The Since the recording of this interview, um, Torturous Inception has, in fact, decided to carry on with only Tyler on vocals. 
um, amicably with their singer Jorge, who is doing a lot of session work lined up and other things, so he's not going to be around as much. So it turns out things uh, worked out just as um, uh, naturally as they started in, in this in this round. Uh, big shout to Jorge. We wish him the best of luck in the future. And just to cap off this interview, uh, they've kind of settled this chaotic period in the last uh, a certain few few months or a year of the band or so. Couple of years, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, we got Tyler back in the driver's seat on the microphone, which is great. And um, during that time, we got to kind of like expand our knowledge of the band and Tyler got to do the splattered entrails stuff. So it was all beautiful. Yeah, man. I Speaking of Staten Island, uh, and torturous. I, I saw those guys um, in between vocalists in Staten Island at a nice, uh, it was a nice crowd at the uh, mother pugs shout out to Jeff and rage for booking that. And uh, it was, it was a packed out house and they had I'm not sure who was doing on vocals that night. It was a couple of years ago. It was right before the pandemic, I think. But uh, still, uh, you know, musically, those dudes never, never lost anything. Always brought it. No, nah, yeah, it speaks to the dedication, man. Uh, so shout out to them. We're gonna be on the lookout, um, especially. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spill any beans right now. But look out for them live. Maybe coming to a Long Island near you uh, sometime soon. And uh, but Rick, you know, speaking about persevering, staying. People are in bands. People are out of bands. Lineups are ever changing. You know, oh, yeah. sometimes it's amicable. Sometimes it's not so amicable. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. You know this from experience. I, uh, allegedly, listen. Allegedly, big shout. Because shout out to this listener. We're not going to put his name on blast, all right? I'm not going to put all his, his government name out there. Uh, and you'll understand why in a minute, man. We're going to get into this. Maybe this has happened to you. Um, I, I, know I, I know I can kind of relate in, in, a, in a weird way. Uh, he says, I got to vent to you guys. I just spent a few months practicing this band's music. I paid someone to write tabs of their music because dude didn't want to make time to show me the riffs. Got my instruments set up in their tuning and just spent a bunch of time listening to and learning the music as you do if someone asked you to join a band. And they fucking Whoa. ghosted and then called me a punisher. Just oh, shit. I, I don't know what that, the last part is. Call him a punisher, but that's all, the rest of it's all fucked up. So hold on a second. These dudes gave this guy music to learn no no guidance to said learn it and then ghosted him and then called him a punisher uh, a punisher Sorry. is What's like that? it's a term some people use for like if uh there's a fan of your music or someone who appreciates what you do as the band but but chooses to um not be respectful of your time as we say on the I, podcast I uh at a okay. show okay. a punisher is someone who will uh, you know, just kind of come up to you while you while you're loading gear and just kind of mm. berate you with you know questions, <laughs> maybe ask you like weird questions, you know, like how <laughs> how come your singer's not in the band anymore, <laughs> oh, <laughs> or geez, something so, like that, or how or come something, it, yeah, exactly, or how come you're, you're not on that label anymore? You know what I mean? Right. Like like you know, just kind of you know, it's it's a punishing experience. That's what I got the, you. I'm a little too old for that, but that's I'm not something I would call someone who aspired to participate in my band no, and work no. for us and then i decided not to communicate properly with because that sounds like what that so yeah. let me finish just a big bummer due to the time i spent on it and it's my first time joining a band how do you guys bounce back from something like that um but you could bounce back very easily from something like that just don't stop don't do it. i mean all the shit i've been through with bands some, some of it i can even I, I could get into on this podcast some of it i can't uh you know i've quit bands i've been um 
uh, unceremoniously uh, uh, displaced from bands uh, and, and everything in between. Back when I was younger, I had a band breakup because the other two guys wanted wanted to uh, be session guys for a bigger New York death metal band that'll remain unnamed. And then that band kind of chewed them up and spit them out within a few months and the band got back together. You know, it was, there's all sorts of shit that goes on, man. I really feel for this guy. Um, you know, you never know. Go ahead, Will. I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying you never know. Maybe they had someone else lined up that could play guitar. Maybe they were hedging their bets and they had two different people learning, you know, to see who could learn it faster or better or who they would prefer to to work with. You know, either way, it sounds like they weren't straightforward and that sucks. Right. Yeah. Point is, they should have been straightforward with the dude. But on the other hand, he can look at it as, I know he might not want to hear this, like a learning experience. You were able to decipher probably uh something of a technical nature without any kind of guidance you know you took this uh uh, responsibility upon yourself and you did it yourself so it's all good right you learn these songs and you can do that and it shows you that you can do all that sort of thing so i think that you know on a positive aspect um you you put in hard work and continue to do that with music and it'll pay off that's how I look at you, it. You, yeah. If you knew that you're right, and and if if this guy knew that he was ready to go, then he was ready to go, and he'll be just as ready to go when he falls in with the right group of musicians. Right. Because that's how to be a professional, dude. Something I've been saying over and over again is it's much easier to find a group of people that you can write and record and perform a song with than it is to to find people that you could. Uh, tour with and that have the same aspirations for the band you know and all that sort of thing man to fall in with that group of people that you really all can do Click. something with yeah man it's tough and it's tough rick you and i know it's tough to make things <laughs> work man yeah dude i mean rick, finding that out rick yeah. and i rick and i have been been in plenty of arguments so behind the scenes with our bands over the years as our ba- you know our bandmates could attest to and other you know other we've seen other bandmates argue with one another it's tough to be in a fucking underground metal band but that's no excuse uh for for these guys uh, ghosting somebody who they had some sort of agreement with to learn their music and i've heard of this happening before i heard of somebody supposed to a local a singer of a local death metal band was supposed to go and tour Europe with a bigger death metal band uh filling in on vocals and they ghosted him um you know a few days before the tour and took somebody else you know this this thing these things happen man you know and I wouldn't take it as any comment on what you can do man you know it's right it's more along the lines of what these these people and their character if you're going to do that uh to somebody get over yourself you're not that important that you can fuck somebody over like that you know what I mean? That's yeah. how you know, you know, your band ain't that important for, for some to some guy to put his shit on hold to learn your shit <laughs> and then to be ghosted. That that would, I see where the guy's pissed off. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, that that shows. But you hear stories about bands who think who they are a lot. People in this, you know, who think who they are. But you know what? You're playing underground death metal, so that's always going to keep you in in line. I think you're not. You're not. Pack, you know, you're not uh, playing Madison Square Garden. You're playing, yeah, where we play sometimes, which is uh, like we were saying, cellars and basements, <laughs> La- laundry shit rooms. like that. <laughs> right, laundry yeah. rooms. You're playing a fucking laundry room. You can give this guy problems. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Yeah, there wasn't room next to the pool table at the sports yeah, yeah, bar yeah, for the, the change guy. machine over there is making noise when you're playing. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. I, you know, that's yeah. Th- there's really in this underground death metal scene, man. There shouldn't be egos like that. And uh, you know, uh, yeah. The, the only thing I could tell you is the generic thing is keep moving. Kid, just like my dad's advice, dude. For any uh, uh, girl trouble, money trouble, job trouble, 
uh, anything going on with the bands when I've when I've been dejected by that. Any kind of trouble in my life, my dad has two words: keep trucking. <laughs> That's that's his life advice, everything, man. And and at the end of the day, it's kind of all you can do, man. And Otherwise, you sit there and and wallow in your your misery. Yeah, and now you can tune your guitars to whatever the fuck you want to (laughs) and write your own shit, man. Um, There's always people looking for uh, musicians, man. And um, heavyholepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you're ever in a, in a position to be playing for one of my bands, I'll keep you in mind, man. Because Rick, we're always looking for session people, man. It's true. <laughs> you never know. That, I, I might I might hire out all five fucking members of Reconora one day and go to Alaska. You never know, man. I'll play. Well, hey, I'll, a, I'll play next I'm, to the cigarette machine in Alaska. I'm always around. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I got plenty of time. Yeah, I'm my bad, Rick. I got a little excited. I got none but time. Got a little excited there. Uh, Four hundred hours I'll vacation get, time. I'll get Sal over there. Um. <laughs> Yeah, that's all I could really say in this situation is that's fucking lame. That's shitty that that happened. Unfortunately, I've heard similar situations. And ba- the only way you can bounce back from that is keep working, and eventually you find you will find a band that yeah. you'll be able to work with, man. And, um, uh, you know, just, just keep doing If you want to talk about slugging it out in the underground scene, man, Rick, we, you know, we, we joke around, man, but I'm sure you've, you've gotten just as stressed out and lost just just as much hope over the years at certain points where you say, what the fuck am I doing driving Shit. home from the city on a Monday night playing for five <laughs> people or whatever the hell it was, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, it was a famous, a famous, it was a meme uh, that I made. <laughs> and it was a, <laughs> actually, you're in this meme. It was a picture of my band, Gray Skies Fallen in 1997, playing our first show. And there's two people standing there. Yeah. And then there was 20 years later or 20 something years later 22 years later we're playing vitus and there's you and terrell standing there to an empty room and i said gray sky's falling 22 years of playing to two people yeah. you know and and, and that's and that's how i look at it like sometimes sometimes you don't sometimes you play to 200 people but it you know it is what it is it's that's un- how yeah it, it's man. underground man it's underground yeah. man so fuck those dudes keep playing your instruments um and yeah that's that's all we could really say man to that um uh ch- you know cheers to you for trying man um salute moving along uh all right so we had staten island out of the way um uh we told we told this guy what's up about these jerk offs that's out of the way uh rick you brought a classic metal album to my attention that i listened mm. to on my morning commute today for first time ever hearing it not not first time ever listening really to diving it. into it yeah okay yeah um let, let, oh. give it away in the words of anthony Kiedis, give it away to the listeners now yeah this is the uh second album by texan doom band solitude alternus beyond the crimson horizon mm. from 93 on roadrunner records when fucking roadrunner was the shit the best label mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I had that on tape and CD, and those are long gone uh, in floods. But now, of course, the CD is like fifty dollars. So, but yeah, so that record is uh, is a great one, man. So uh, I know you know the vocals again, not probably your thing. Is more the guy sounds more like Dio in a way, right? And uh, he was also, if you if you know later, Candlemas. This guy Robert Lowe, another guy with an unfortunate um actor name you understand what I'm oh, Robert, yeah, Lowe. Yeah, Robert yeah, Lowe. Yeah, yeah. he was the singer of Candlemas for three albums uh in the in the early 2000s huh. awesome fucking albums but yeah the I gotta admit I love this I didn't know I didn't have the same problem with the clean vocals this time around yeah um because He's very they, awesome 
Yeah, they had this that really cool uh, kind of new wave of British heavy metal quality, maybe a little bit. I do. There were times where some of his, the way he accentuated his words reminded me of Jeff Tate on, on like the mm. on like the Warning, like vintage sure. power metal. No, this was really cool shit, man. I think you know. I I don't want to I don't want to get back into that other record that I I didn't prefer as much um that you brought in last time but uh this was so cool man it sounded like nice uh you know like I said like maybe like like real proper prime era Judas Priest and 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 prime Black Sabbath but informed by thrash and even technical death metal of the time and more melodic and atmospheric death metal that was going on like not that it is death metal but in the songwriting and the composition it takes a lot of steps that are it goes way more drastic than just your your typical traditional traditional doom doom, yeah and and power metal man it really goes super metal and they build on the song structures the way a lot of thrash and death metal bands were at the time they were a fucking amazing man and they uh their first run was was four albums uh and then uh, four or five albums and then they've been not active for about 15 years the last album was 2006 hmm. and that was like a reforming album like a reunion kind of thing but uh i saw them in 95 with merciful fate you may have heard of them Merciful <laughs> Fate. Now everybody's paying a lot of money to go see Merciful Fate, but you know this is the you know not quite. Well, it's also whatever they were so good at the Limelight, New York City, which is uh, if you're familiar with the Limelight, which is an old church. It was an old church, and in the '90s it was a venue, and it was a fucking amazing venue to see a band in. Right, so you're in this old Gothic cathedral. And um, I was up front for that. And th- that dude's voice is so powerful. I heard him over all the amps, over all everything. I just heard him. Like, I was up front, but you could just feel that guy, man. He was, it was amazing. And then King Diamond came on after. That was a good night, man. That was a good night. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Huh? That's that's another solid OG story, uh, Rick. Oh, I, yeah. I expect a few more before we get out of here. I'll, I'll throw those out there, man. You ever see Solitude at Turnus Live? That's what I'm talking about. I, they opened for Merciful Fate in '95 okay. at the Limelight. Oh, okay. well, it was their only, to my knowledge, their only you like East. Coast, the only time they ever came to New York. We're gonna cut that for- out. We're gonna cut that out. I'm stoned. All right, okay. <laughs> so it's all good. All, all good. Right. I you, for some reason, I thought you were talking about Dio. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I never saw Dio, man. Never saw Dio. I saw Dio uh, one time. I got to a show at uh, Jones Beach back in the day. Motorhead just finished playing. I, I didn't see Motorhead. Never saw Motorhead, unfortunately. So, uh, but then um, Dio and Iron Maiden played. So that was great. Wow. Yeah. 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 Dio took around my dying bride too. That was awesome. Wow. That must. That's a, that's a crazy show. Yeah. Ninety seven, and then the New York show, my dying bride headlined, and there was no Dio, which was cool with me because that was my favorite band at the time. So I was, you know, so this to this Solitude Eternus. Would you say that this? Is this is this more like American kind of like doom like like yes. doom epic doom metal? This is tra- this is traditional doom metal American style, right? I guess. Shout out to John Perez, John Perez, the guitarist, the songwriter. Uh, I had dealings with him years ago when the first Grace Guys album came out. He had a label, Brain Ticket Records, and um, I'm not sure if the label's still active. Um, but he, he, he took a, he was a big, uh, supporter of our first album. He took a whole bunch, maybe 50, a hundred CDs at the time and, and distributed them. Uh, that's back in 98. I haven't really um, been in touch with John in a while, but, um, yeah, amazing, uh, band. I advise everybody to 
check that band out all all amazing musicians great dual harmonies guitar harmonies good drumming very powerful drummer and the vocalists like i said he was in candle mass uh for three records too so those are great albums man okay a lot to get what was the vocalist name again robert lowe oh yeah i can't forget that man yeah me being william smith all right tv's rob lowe yeah All right, shout out to Tom cutting that in and cutting this episode up behind the scenes and Justin and the whole uh, Heavy Hole podcast team out there. Cheers, cheers to you boys. Um, and cheers also to the guys in the band Path to War. I brought them up before, Rick. Uh, yeah. and, and you know why. You know where we're about to go. Um, I mentioned before that these guys performed their record release but also their last show over the weekend. Uh, and that was for this Chaos Eternal uh, album or EP, I guess, however you want to phrase it. Um uh, this this is a young band from Maryland. Like I feel like you know what happened actually. Um, Afterbirth and Vomit Forth did a little weekend out in like 2019, and these guys got added to the show. And they're they're real young, man. You know, especially back then, a few years ago, man. And um, uh, come to come to play with them with Exsanguinated uh, the other day, and they were headlining. You know, and there was a record release, and they they really they grow up fast. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> they grow up so fast out there, these kids. Right. Um, yeah, they. No, I'm really impressed, and I'm kind of like reviewing their back catalog and checking out this album, and um, you, you know, just, just shout out to all these guys, uh, and and they're also, I, you know, Liam is also in the band uh, Ninth Realm that we performed with. Oh wow! Uh, at the Reeky Horror Show, yeah, yeah, yeah. Liam is in both bands, so there's okay. and there's other bands involved. I know Morbid Deity is one of the bands coming out of the the remnants of this band. I guess uh, calling it a day. So these, like I said, these guys are very young, active musicians that are pursuing other projects. But um, the listeners can still check out Path to War. I got it on Bandcamp. You can look for it wherever you check out music. And um, I'll shut up for a minute because Rick, I passed this this uh, record to you f- uh, for today to listen to. What did you think about it? Yeah, I spun it uh, twice today. Actually, it was a nice uh, length uh, to be able to do that on the way to work and on the way back. And uh, yeah, it, right off the bat, it reminded me of Bolt Thrower. That was you know the vibes I was getting. Um, and I loved I loved the uh, the whole overall sound was was really up my alley. Uh, you know, I was just impressed with it. And now that you told me that they're, they're finished, it was like, oh, shit. Uh, it was co- but, but you said they got a back catalog, so I'll, I'll look into whatever they got. Yeah, yeah, that, you know, that's just how it goes sometimes, man. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it seemed like they, they ended the band on am- amicable terms. And like yeah. I said, these are younger guys. Uh, I've been there when you're in your, in your 20s. Everyone's going different directions and doing different things. And like I said, I'll make sure to check out uh, Ninth Realm and Morbid Deity, those are at least two bands um, involving involving members of this. But this is a really cool record, yeah, and you kind of see the evolution of these guys from when I first saw them. I was really impressed with how far they've come, uh, just in terms of the live performance and the showmanship and the professionalism they they exhibited on stage. And when you listen to this, yeah, Bolt Thrower I think would be an obvious influence. It's kind of right. that you know it is that OSDM sound that's become so big nowadays, man. And I'm not gonna. 
Um, just ignore all of it because it seems to be a big deal that you know, nowadays there's great records coming out. And I think this is an example. And although it does take a lot of cues from both thrower and like bands, I think they bring a lot of their own personality into it. I think they inject, um, maybe a little bit of modern hardcore and a little bit of that, like, uh, those hardcore sensibilities here and there without it becoming. I did notice that too. Yeah. Vocal wise. Also in one spot, there was a, uh, hardcore ish, uh, vocal that jumped out of me at one point. Yeah. This, to me, this is like the new kind of cross, like it's a new version of the crossover concept that right. we're seeing where these bands are taking on the properties of raw OSDM, old school death metal bands. And I think a few years ago, it was more like Blood Incantation and um, uh, Malignant Altar and those kind of like that first wave of the OSDM thing being big. And now you're seeing it where I think the kids are, are kind of being a little less um uh they're being a little bit more obvious maybe about their hardcore background and the hardcore roots that some of these guys come from a lot of the younger bands i've interviewed lately that are putting out amazing phobophilic for example putting out amazing uh, an amazing album last week um they you know their drummer Vinny talked a little bit about how they came up in more of a punk and hardcore scene when they were younger uh and that's the case with a lot of bands another great mm-hmm. example is mourned from Massachusetts, who I interviewed a while back, and you can right. literally listen to their three, their first three releases, and hear mm-hmm. them progress from hardcore to crossover, thrash to death metal. Um, so it, it's a big thing, man. And these kids aren't uh, uh, tucking their tail between their legs and being worried about being called posers by elitist old dudes in their forties. So that's a cool <laughs> thing, man. They're they're writing what they want to write. They're representing yeah. their scene and how they came up in music, and that's cool. So I of think, course. and and they're not doing it in an overproduced commercialized uh, deathcore metalcore way i think this is a much more raw example of some kind of crossover this is the type of stuff that i could really get into man you know i, I remember one of my favorite bands from the from like the hardcore scene when i was younger and i was super death metal and not really into hardcore was buried alive i don't know if you're familiar rick uh, not really. I'm familiar with the name from Tom, Tom Ender. Shout out. To Tom. I, I would love for you to listen to them because um, maybe we'll get into that on another episode because the reason I love them so much when they came out in the late 90s is they reminded me exactly of Dismember and Entomb's classic albums mm-hmm. and a lot of oh, the guitar wow. tone okay. and the vocals, but they were clearly a hardcore band. They just had that brutality to them, you know, and I think they were ahead of the curve for that reason nowadays when you look what's going on. So, yeah, I'm not trying to ramble on, but, you know, a lot of these younger bands, I, I, behind the scenes, I hear guys my age and older, you know, talk shit about the younger bands and the hardcore kids playing death metal and wah, wah, wah. And, um, Thank God for this podcast, because I would be the bitterest, most elitist gatekeeping one if not for this podcast and having to uh, to, to be real life to people, man. man. To be, well, yeah. you know, I got to be real life to, to people and talk to people and get into the bands, and you see that there's more going on than the meme. Um, so... With that being said, uh, uh, I think this is an excellent um, example of all those things I talked with. It's a very organic, natural uh, album. Path to War from Maryland. Uh, be on the lookout for those guys with their new bands. Uh, but Chaos Eternal is the name of the most the, uh, recent release that they put out, man. So Yeah, I actually saw they uh, have a Jewel Case CD on uh, Bandcamp, I believe. I'm going to pick that up. If yeah, that's what I, what yeah I saw, they, yeah. They, they might even have some of the other stuff left. They had a few releases over the last several years. Um Active in 2019 in particular. So, shout to those guys. Yeah, I 
thank you, Tom, uh, my good man. And uh, thank you to uh, everybody listening in. Of course, to our guests, uh, Torturous Inceptions guitarists, Dustin Primo and Devin DiCarlo. Look out Love for them. those guys. Great guys, man. Great to, great to check in with them for the evening. Um, I, I, I got to drink a couple of beers with them next time I see them because they were drinking beers and I was drinking coffee. You know, we, we got to meet the energy in the middle somewhere. Um, Rick, thank you for joining me, buddy. Hey, absolutely. It's always, uh, always a pleasure. Anything, always a pleasure. Anything going on in Gray Skies land that we got to know about? Uh, nah, you know, I got uh, Colin booked for November. A couple days, I'm going to bang out some vocals. Then the album's done, but... It would be good if I had like some lyrics first, so that that'll be the thing that's I know, gonna be happening now. I, know. I have zero. I have nothing right now. It's uh, September twenty first. I have nothing, and we'll see how that goes. And uh, that's about it. Perchance uh, a beautiful mm-hmm. excursion on the vast highways of the United States of America on tour in a van with your with your best friends in the world. That might I think be. A- that m- might inspire the lyrics a little bit, you know. I think uh, that might be where I'll be wrapping things up yeah. uh, in our van with Reeking Aura somewhere. I, I'll be rapping in the van, no doubt. That's usually what I do when I'm out. Yeah. From home. I'm, I, I actually go record with Colin uh, two or three days after we get back from that run in November. That's right, because we're going to be on the road uh, very early November. Check it out, man. Um, I don't want to say anything right now. Uh, you just go to Reeking Aura's uh instagram or facebook or whatever social media you follow um we're going to be going on tour with two great bands uh and we're going to be hitting the midwest and the south a little bit and a um, little bit of a little bit of here and a little bit of there and uh, uh there's also an east coast date outside of new york um so everybody can like i said i don't want to spill any beans and step on any of the promoters feet or anything like that but it's getting announced today this friday the day this episode drops so go check us out on social media for reeking aura we're going to be all excited and giddy about it. it'll be beautiful yeah, um, and, and uh, we'll get some. We'll get some more. Uh, some more good footage. That's my thing, you know. I like to get some good footage and uh, get it out there and see. Uh, show everybody what we're up to. Yeah, which is good things. Yeah, Rick's Rick's gonna have an OnlyFans account for reeking aura. Oh my god, it's, Jesus it's Christ! It's gonna go directly into the gas tank, everybody. Okay, <laughs> that's how we're gonna be getting across the country. Don't worry. Oh Lord have mercy. Yeah. Oh man. Um, but Terrell, yeah, we're gonna be putting Terrell to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, who who's gonna be paying for me and you, Rick? Oh boy, we're gonna oh. we're, we're, we'd be the only guy we'd lose money. <laughs> They'd be, we'd have to no pay. shit. We're gonna be yeah. paying for that. Yeah. Craziness. Oh man. All right, but enough uh, enough potty talk, man. Thanks to you, the listener. Uh, thank you very much. Like we said to our guests tonight, Devin uh, and and Dustin. Uh, thanks to you, Rick, and to Tom and Justin and the rest of the Heavy Hole Podcast team behind the scenes making it happen. Um, we appreciate you guys. You can check us out on all the social medias uh, and the website. Uh, leave us a voicemail if you like. We're a little backed up on the voicemail. Don't worry. I'm getting caught up. We got uh, special co-hosts coming out. Rick, I'm going to give you a break next week, all right? Sounds good, man. Just uh, want to say special thanks to Staten Island for being Staten Island. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you know, and um, when it comes to the island of Staten, there can be only one. Don't start to walk away from this.